Hi, everybody. Sorry the show was late. I'm going to tell you why now. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Eve Dedrick. <laughs> you sound kind of tentative there, dear. Oh, I am. <laughs> hey, everyone. Here's what happened. I guess we did not propitiate the uh, great god Pado enough. And when Ian and I recorded a show on Friday of this last week, uh, it disappeared when I went to save it. I don't know what happened. It was recording while we were like while we were talking. I could see that it was recording. It was, you know, meters were moving. Numbers were ticking upwards. And then when I saved it, it did a little circle that you know it says i'm doing something while you wait look at me and then it and then it stopped that and then i ejected the sd card and i brought it home and i put it into my computer to start editing it and then there was no file there oh what a depressing moment that is in your life when something that i thought was a pretty good show was erased by uh whatever i don't know what happened there it's very strange so it could be the sd card itself i don't know uh, if you go online and look, uh, my, zo uh, my Zoom didn't save, my Zoom recording didn't save. It's all about Zoom meetings. Uh, unfortunately, the, the company that makes digital recorders, Zoom, also has shares a name with the popular online meeting app. So yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to find any information about what, what you can do to stop these things from happening. So today what I'm doing is I'm recording the show onto my Tascam digital recorder that we usually use to record shows, but I'm also recording it onto Audacity on my computer. This is my new idea of like having a safety as we record. And I think I might start bringing my Tascam down to do the show with Ian, and I will do a simultaneous recording there as well, because uh, it's so depressing to lose shows when, we've, when you do all that hard work and have a good long talk, and, you know, and then you lose three hours and 17 minutes of, of a show which is how long the show was when we were done and then it was all gone so it's very depressing and uh it wasn't erased i tried to recover it i do have a recovery program on my on my um computer uh many not many years ago but a few years ago i was getting my passport i had to go down to the u.s consulate and i forgot that i'd put the sd card with the sneaky dragon program in my wallet which then went through the x-ray machine and when i got home everything was erased from it hmm. everything was gone and, uh, but I was able to recover it using uh, a recovery program, a data recovery program. I was able to recover the show and post it. So that was uh, one of the few times where things have gone very bad and it's actually worked out. So anyway, why am I boring you with this? Thank you, Eve, for coming down because Ian is super busy right now. He's in the middle of writing something. Uh, he had just a few hours to spare on Friday to, to, to do the show. And so unfortunately he couldn't uh, be with us twice this week. So, thank you. No problem. I appreciate it. I was out here, so it made sense. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, let's just say you're also very kind. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> and succeed. All we can do. That's right. And we succeed at various levels. Uh, so, before we... I did kind of think we'd have a topic to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I got you to do like a little project yes. last night. But you were out last night yes. playing games. Yeah. What did you play? 
we played, it was my friend's family. I guess it was kind of almost a bit like their family Boxing Day. Okay. Because I guess they usually do something on Boxing Day. Uh-huh. But they didn't get the chance this year with like the snow oh, okay. stuff. Okay, yeah, so it was terrible. Everyone couldn't make it out. Mm-hmm. So what I thought was going to be like a game night <laughs> with like maybe a couple members of her yeah. family. It was like her whole family. Yeah, Eve showed up with a cooler full of vodka bottles. Yes. Ready for game night. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. No. But, um, but yeah, it was her whole, like, kind of, you know, family, extended family, okay. aunts and uncles and oh, stuff wow. like that. And then a couple of her friends. Hmm. Uh, and so they played, I guess it was like, I guess they usually do games and play for prizes. Okay. So they, like, wrap gifts and then whoever oh. wins the game gets the gift. Okay. And it kind of goes in, like, descending of order of, you know, who's done like the best to the worst okay. job okay like, who gets the best gift they're kind of guided on which gift to pick wow yeah it's very um very planned and coordinated <laughs> but which i was not again i was not expecting she was she said you know it's a games night we're gonna have prizes and i was like okay like i don't <laughs> what are the prizes like yeah. from a dollar store like a... yeah it was uh but yeah they did beer pong which i'm terrible at and i lost in the first round and then <laughs> had to sit while all these people play so beer pong. I, I've seen people in movies play beer pong. Yes. Now, is the idea of beer pong that it's a drinking game, right? Yes. So you are bouncing a ping pong ball mm-hmm. into the classic red cup? Well, you can you can bounce it. You're meant to throw it. Oh, you have to throw like it. Straight, in. like, directly. I think oh. everybody plays by different rules because okay. it's a drinking game. <laughs> okay. So there's probably no way that you can have, like, a standard yeah. rule system because everyone's drunk. So that's just not going to go well. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> I, we play it, yeah, where you just throw it directly in. If you bounce it, then people can swat it out of the way. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, and you're just, there's like all these little stupid rules that, you know, you have to play by. Because it's like a, it's like shaped yeah, like, like a kind a, of a pyramid yeah, of cups, like right? A triangle. Mm-hmm. Or a triangle, I should say, yeah. Pyramid uh, under they're all piled, <laughs> piled on each other. <laughs> yes. Um... <laughs> Uh, it's a, it's a, three, a pyramid of champagne glasses. Yeah, that would go over well. <laughs> nothing, nothing can go bad. Yeah, so it's a it's a triangle, and you just have to, you know, you're usually on a team, and you each get a ball, mm-hmm. and then you just throw it in, throw it in, and hope that you get it in. And usually, I don't. Okay, <laughs> that's how it goes. Huh. And then you can't like put your elbows past the edge of the table, so mm. you can't be like reaching okay. really far and throwing. Yeah, yeah. Inspector Gadget or anything. Yeah, and uh, this seems like something you should practice at home. You gotta visualize. <laughs> That's right. Follow through. Yeah. Don't forget your follow through. Yeah, but all of these are all classic sayings from our, our eve shooting instruction instructor. instructor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've always been really bad at it though. Visualizing. At what? Visualizing. No, not visualizing. Okay. Just at beer pong in general. I'm terrible at visualizing. Oh really? Yeah. Well, I, I think my problem with visualizing is I do it and I'm like, is that it? <laughs> like, is that really what you're supposed, you're supposed to be doing? Yeah, yeah. Like, as I was. I remember he used to always say visualize, visualize, and yeah, I was yeah. like, "What does that even mean?" Mm. Like, I'm, I was like, "Am I just supposed to think about it?" And he was like, "Yeah." I was like, what? I think you're supposed to like focus on success. Yeah. Well, I like, think you're just supposed to let. I always just sort of like imagine doing it right. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't work though. Well, the thing because if I do that, if I visualize, I blow it. Yeah. I like in my visualization, oh. I mess it up. Like I can't, I can't succeed in my visualization. <laughs> Yeah, so, I don't know, it just doesn't. This doesn't doesn't help me at all. I'm just yeah. I'm more I'm more keyed up. I'm more nervous. Well, I feel like my problem with visualization is I do it and mm-hmm. I can I can imagine it. I just can never succeed. Yeah. In like 
actually achieving the goal of the visualization. So it just makes me kind of bitter about it. <laughs> and then I'm just bitter about the fact that I'm like trying to do all these steps to yeah, yeah. succeed and still not succeeding. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I just have to practice, but I'm not going to be practicing beer pong by myself at home. Why not? That just seems, you got the room. That seems like a lot of work and not something it's, I'm interested in. What is it? Nine cups? I don't know. I, we usually, I think we just did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cups. Seven cups, night. okay. If we had done nine cups, we would have all died of old age because <laughs> it took everybody so long to to get oh, so you have to done. you have to get to each cup then yes you have to oh, get okay. each cup like so the ball will go into a cup and like you can call things like i don't even know like if you say i don't know there's things you can call See, okay. this is how often i play it okay and how much i pay attention i usually just throw the balls in and hope that my teammates get um <laughs> You can like call things and if you yeah. get like two balls in one of the cups, then it'll like take out all of the cups around it as well Oh, and stuff like that. And you can like reform it once is a lot of people's rules. So like hmm. if you like get them and then there's a bunch of blank spots, you can like, call like, I want a diamond and they have to reform it. Oh, okay. Diamond, okay. Things like that. Yeah. But yeah. Huh. So you didn't, you didn't succeed at that game. No, you're, you're out in the first round. That. And then we did a pay, like a ping pong blowing game with like a straw and there's a ping pong ball in the middle and there's okay. three people on one side of the table and three people on another side of the table okay and you have to like get the ping pong ball to the other side and off the table okay without okay. letting it you can't touch it with your hands obviously yeah, you block yeah. it with your face without, and don't push it off the side of the table yeah and uh we lost that too <laughs> Uh, <laughs> is this the same team all the time? No, it was okay. different that time. Okay. It was just sort of whoever you ended up sitting with. Yeah. I don't think it was that organized. We played Pass the Parcel, which is basically like kind of hot potato musical chairs, but with like a present that's been wrapped a bunch of times. Okay. And so like as the music's playing, you pass it around and once the music stops, then you unwrap it. Okay. And whoever gets to the present wins. Okay. And I lost that too. <laughs> And then... <laughs> the theme night. Yeah. And then uh, we played What Do You Meme? What Do You Meme? Okay. Yes. Which is like kind of like Cards Against Humanity, but it's all like, it gives you just like a an image of like a meme. Mm. And then you have to provide like a little caption card to go with it. Okay. Does um, it have to be accurate to the meme or just you I can just, just make what up? what you think is funny, okay. like yeah, in, sure. in reference to the meme. But the problem is, is that we're, I was playing this game with a bunch of you know 50 year old people <laughs> who already have no idea what a meme is so i don't know why that game was purchased and then you've got all these cards that are about tiktok okay and i'm like no they just people don't even know what tiktok is yeah. i'm like i can't use that card on them and they're like oh, i don't know how to, like i don't know i think at one point oh so the, there was the word simp so then we all had mm. to describe what a simp was to all these old, like older people yeah my yeah. age, everyone. Yeah. I mean, they're not, yeah, they're not old, but like, you, you know what a meme is though. Yeah. Like they're like the type of old person who doesn't know what a meme mm -hmm. is. I even know what a simp is. You don't know what a simp is? No, I said, I even know oh, what a simp is. Oh, you even know what a simp is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there you go. You'd be fine at that game, but. Yeah, that's sad because you're, the, you're the meme queen. So. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is that I'm like, and you don't know people like that's yeah. the thing with playing cards against humanity in a group. It's like where like you're, if you go into a, a group of people and try and play cards against humanity yeah and like you've never met these people then there's always like weird cards or yeah. weird rules that people are like oh i know every time i play the concentration camp card with jennifer that she's gonna pick it because she finds it funny You're like what <laughs> yeah we're yeah. not even playing for funniness anymore you're just like why is the concentration camp card so funny also why is that card in the deck take it out get out of here 
Yeah, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was like, I don't really know their humor. Yeah, and yeah. And also, the hu- their humor already isn't geared toward, like, internet mm. culture. Mm-hmm. So, mm. I was like, oh, shit, ever luck there. <laughs> I think I've got, like... I think I got three cards, which was in, like, the middle. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, I was like, I don't so is it like it. subjective? So they choose your if your card is funny or yeah, ma- okay, yeah, whatever card okay. they think is the funniest that mm. people have like submitted, yeah. then they okay. can pick that. So they're always like, oh, you just have a cat. That's great. That's the best one. Well, yeah, it's like they have like a it's like the a image of a meme, and then you have to give them like a text. Card. Oh, okay. So okay. it'll be like uh, like I don't know, popular like that kid drinking coffee like with a sassy look on his face. Yeah, yeah. And so then you have to give like a I don't know. Sure. When. Yeah, you know your mom gets mad at you and something like that, and then they're like, "Yes, I also remember when I, as a mom, would get mad at people." And you're like, "Oh my god!" Like, but like then I could have easily submitted like a you know when you send your friend a TikTok and then they send yeah. one two days later, like the same one, yeah. and then that card would have made sense for that card because. But yeah. no, they don't know what a TikTok is. <laughs> Never heard of TikTok in their life. They're like, like a clock? You're like, no. Really? They never heard of TikTok? Because no. I would think, like, personally, I would think that even with, like, TikTok, there's at least, like, controversy about it. Like, like Trump was mad at it, or, the, you know, the, there's American companies who are banning yeah, its use I in the workplace. Yeah, but that's also, and like, you're basing that off the assumption that people are following internet Or tec- news. technical news. Yeah, technical because, like, news, yeah. internet news is different than, like, news that you find on the TV. Yeah. Like definitely. And yeah, how yeah. like sensationalized everything is. Mm. So like news on the TV, like they'll talk about Trump, of course, and yeah. his like stupid policies. But they're probably not gonna go into how he thinks TikTok is being, you know, like controlled by the Chinese. Controlled by the Chinese and is like a Chinese government spy. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll see that on like Facebook articles. Mm. Because it's I don't know, it's just like how the <laughs> algorithm works, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. people Yeah that work in that sort of a field are more interested in mm. doing because they work in like an internet news forum. Yeah. But. Right. So memes, what is it called again? What do you meme? It's what a fun game. Mean? I like yeah, the game. Sounds, this sounds fun actually. It's, it's good, but. It's, it's a game that sounds fun, but I would also find frustrating because mm. it's so subjective. Yes. So there's like no clear way to, yeah. like if you play chameleon or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like you know who won and who lost, but a game like that, it's just, you're relying on, it's kind of like apples to apples. Apples, yeah. Well, and that's what like Cards mm-hmm. Against Humanity is just apples to apples, but for adults. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah. I find that what do you mean a little bit better than Cards Against Humanity, just because it's you know it's like just a picture. It's not like a card you have to read out and then you get given something else that's also something you have to read out. You're yeah. Sort of like already looking at sort of a vague image, mm-hmm. so it's like whatever you want yeah. it to yeah. be for the most part, at least. Mm-hmm. Some of them just don't work. Yeah. But. And I could see, yeah, if you're with a group of friends that you already kind of know the vibe, then you mm-hmm. can, you can play off of that. But if you're, yeah, if with, you're a with a group of like of, people you've like, never met friends, before, family you've never met before. <laughs> and you don't know, like, should I, oh, I have a great tasteless joke, but. Yes. Yeah. I know there's some people that you think you can, like, it was her younger brother and his friend were also playing. Mm. She sat out for the game, but I was like, this is the, the, they're the only two people that I can use TikTok cards on. So I just had to keep like trying to offload them onto those two people <laughs> or like anything that was like vaguely yeah. internet based. Yeah. Yeah. Also you're, when you're reading or, or when you're like playing in a group of people and they're reading cards, I find that really hard because like I'm like a fairly like strong reader and that like I can like 
look yeah. at a card and like know how to read it to make it yeah yeah interesting like, make it like work as a joke yeah like, yeah in the context of sure, the yeah. picture but like a lot of the times they're just like almost like reading it and processing it as they go so you know it's like when someone's just like <laughs> yeah reading yeah. in like the most like and then this da 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 blah 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 and then they kind of misspeak yeah. at one point and so then they have to like pause and then go back and da oh da 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 yeah then they put the card down and pick up the next one. You're like, ah, oh, that would have been so good if you'd read it like properly. But yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure everyone who writes into Sneaky Dragon, the email part of Sneaky Dragon, and I read out their emails, feel exactly like what you're describing. Probably. They're like, oh, Dave, you blew it. Had a great joke there, and you totally. <laughs> and then this blah blah blah. Why did the chicken cross the, the road? Wait, why why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side. Oh, side. Sorry. Huh. <laughs> You're sitting there. <sighs> with no cards in front of you. But yeah, that was a game. Right. I did not win that. Okay. Um, which I figured I wouldn't. But I didn't do yeah. poorly. I just, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, just didn't went, win. You were top dog. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. And by that point, it was like midnight. So then we packed up and went to sleep. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So you stayed overnight there? Yeah. Okay. So they had every, like, the whole extended family stayed there, or did people take off? People took off, oh, okay. for the most part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I just imagine, like, a whole big family sleepover. Yeah. <laughs> Aunts and uncles, cousins and other cousins and friends all, all punked down in various yeah. places in the, the house. Pats on their head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was just a couple people stayed over. We were going to go for breakfast, and then we didn't, because uh, my friend's boyfriend had to exchange keys or do like an apartment walkthrough of his old place to make oh, sure he okay. had trashed it mm, and i'm mm. sure he has there's probably some dirt <laughs> we can call him out for and yeah. give him a deposit back <laughs> i didn't get my deposit back on my last apartment either oh really yeah they were bad like that yeah you know you know it yeah all right um let me see okay my week my week wasn't that it wasn't super exciting actually i um <laughs> Besides losing a show on Friday, um, well, we did go and see a movie on Friday, actually. We did go see a movie on Friday. I kind of saw a movie on Friday. You kind of saw a movie on Friday? Yeah, I did. Yeah, kind of. You I drifted off a little bit? Points. Fall asleep. I think you did too, though. <laughs> yeah, I, did fall, you? I did fall asleep. Because well, it, it was just, it was a lot. And I, I, I will be honest about the fact that it's about 10 minutes into the movie, I decided that if it was still like this in five minutes, I was going to go to sleep. <laughs> uh, uh, we went and saw Skinnamarink. It's a, hor- a, hor- a horror film, kind of art, art house horror film, I guess. Yeah. Like it's, it's very experimental. Yeah. I saw, I was reading what some people said about it. Yeah. And they were like, if, they you you never really see people's faces. Yeah. So if that's something you wouldn't be okay with, don't go see the movie. I was like, such a weird <laughs> guidance. Yeah, yeah. Like what? How do I know if I'm not okay seeing <laughs> seeing people's faces in a movie? Like most movies have people's faces in them. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty unusual. Yeah, that's what, like a bit of a niche. What film? What other film meets this criteria? I'd like to know. Yeah, I can't. Do, where's the faceless movie <laughs> genre that I didn't realize existed? I mean, it, I mean, I find it scary in a movie if they don't show someone's face. But not for the entire. Not for the entire film. It would just be weird. Yeah. yeah. 
like I was describing when we left that the movie House of the Devil, the Ty West film, House of the Devil. There's a long tracking shot oh, yes. through through a kind of through an apartment, through the kitchen, and into the living room of this apartment. And the whole time, this very slow tracking shot is happening. This a woman is standing with her back to you, and you do you do start to wonder because the music's playing and it's setting a mood, and so then your your mind starts to to anticipate that maybe they're going to turn around and their face is going to be something who knows what horrifying in some way yeah and i think that french horror tv show marianne Mm -hmm. does that as well in the first the first episode yeah which was like one of the most horrifying starts to a tv show i've ever (laughs) witnessed and it's like not even that scary of a show no it's not super scary the thought Mm -hmm. of like the character was just terrifying yeah yeah that was a good show though it was not not bad i i I jumped off board when they went back in time and started detailing mm-hmm. the, the the when they were kids. Yeah, I don't like when movies do that. Yeah, like, I kind of feel that way about it, but the opposite. I feel like when they're adults, it's not as interesting. Yeah, well, it really isn't. <laughs> Especially because you're like, oh, it's just a stupid clown. It gets way more <laughs> stupid when they're older. Yeah, like, you'd think that you. I feel like when they're kids and it's you know silly. Yeah, yeah. You're like it's silly because they're kids and they're adults and it's still silly. <laughs> Yeah. You don't have the same silly fears as an adult. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. For the most part, at least. Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe you're kind of afraid of the dark still, but like... You, you kind of get o- you get over it, or yeah. you, you try to get over it. You go upstairs and say, "I'm who's afraid of... Yeah. I'm no, fine with this. I walk up the stairs now. I don't run. <laughs> <laughs> Except I'm getting kind of nervous near the top, so I can run. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, it was... Um, I've been I've been showing people how the movie is by turning on my phone and like focusing on a wall, mm-hmm. and then just making a. Ch- I did I did that last night, <laughs> and then putting it to another part of the wall and going, because ch- it had like the loudest soundtrack I've ever heard, like the the hottest soundtrack I've ever heard in my life, where every bit of noise in the room as they're filming, not mm-hmm. just the cameras, but because they're just using digital cameras. But everything is like noisy, like you hear all the ambient yeah, it noises. Like it, it felt like a white noise. Mm. Like, was turned up to like yeah. 10 and so anytime there was an actual noise it was like ear splitting yeah really like at one point i remember like i could tell that something was gonna happen so i was plugging my ears because i knew it was gonna be like too loud and yeah. i felt like also because i, I wasn't really watching it mm. Mm. i just based off of the white noises that were happening i could tell when something like scary was gonna happen yeah because yeah. you could like feel it shift in the sound and maybe that's his intention with like his sound design to like make it so that like you're just put off by the noise but at the same time i was just like well there's definitely a lot of whispering and stuff that yeah yes definitely a lot of kind of undertones and uh and there is a story of sorts but it's so opaque that unless you're like really like spending your time in the movie going okay this is happening Mm -hmm. this is happening because it it's not it doesn't feel very linear you know and basically the film is spoilers but the film is a uh takes place in a house and the it's very greenily shot like it's a digital camera but they they've they've underlit it so that the, all the images have that kind of slight bit of like dots to them do you know what i mean yes and and then uh yes it has this incredibly loud soundtrack of just of, of the loud sound the sound of silence as, as Simon garfunkel went saying so you get this really loud, uh, you know, supposed silence. And then, um, so in this house, and it's kind of unclear what's going on. There is mention 
early on of someone falling down the stairs. Yeah. And, and like s- him sleepwalking. And so I was wondering if that was like, what was happening after that was like a dream. Yeah, me too. Because I, I was thinking that maybe like he something was going to happen and he like knocked himself out mm-hmm. or something. Like mm-hmm. falling, but... But they never really reveal that that's the case. No, there's no mention of him sleepwalking at any point. <laughs> After again that, yeah, yeah. In the movie, but I mean, I'm sure there are reasons for that. Yeah. So in the house, there's some sort of powerful force that is unexplained, and it has made all the doors and windows disappear. So the family is trapped in this house, and if you don't obey this force, it will do something to you. So it seems like. characters are disappearing throughout the film and uh there's a lot of you know things of like like a chair being like moved to the ceiling and sort of being on the ceiling and but it's so long it's like over 100 minutes long it was what was it it was it was like an hour and 40 minutes i think yeah that's 100 minutes okay yeah And, (laughs) and it it didn't need to be that long yeah 80 minutes would have been just fine for that for what we were seeing well, I just, there didn't, I know that you don't need a lot in a mm-hmm. horror movie. Like, it doesn't need to be a big show. Yeah. But, like, it needs something. You need to have some, because you need to invest in the characters. Yeah. Like, if you're not worried about their well-being, then there's there's no fear. There's, yeah, like, or, like, not clear. Or if you're not clear, like, yeah. what What's the threat? Yeah, what is the threat like, here? I don't know. Like, yeah. it just kind of feels like. What it felt like to me, and yeah. uh, mind you, I was asleep for part of the movie, uh, was almost like yeah. um, it felt like the parents had fallen asleep, mm-hmm. and the kids were just up downstairs watching yeah. cartoons. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's, that's the other part of the film. Yeah, like. yeah. It was just like some mm-hmm. kids watching cartoons, and you know, and then like there'd be like a shot of toys on the wall. Yeah, for some <laughs> reason. And I'd be like, okay. Yeah. But also, like we were talking in the car on the way home about. They're watching these old cartoons. Yeah, they so they're out of uh, out of copyright yeah. cartoons. So it's like give Betty Boop and yeah. stuff like that. Grandpappy. And, yeah, yeah. And I think it I think it's supposed to be like creepy because mm-hmm. they're watching these like old black and white cartoons that are they're a little weird. Yeah, yeah. Those cartoons, like sure. they're they're not really like cartoons we watch now. Yeah. But those are cartoons we watched as kids, so it just feels like they're just watching cartoons. Like, I'm not like, oh my god, this is so scary. Like, this is all they have access to is these these spooky cartoons. Yeah. Like, no, I'm just like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Me, and, me and Mary used to watch those all the time as, as little kids, so it's, that yeah. makes sense. They're just having a little cartoon night downstairs. Yeah, they're having a cartoon festival because the parents are sleeping and yeah. they're, they're awake. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a weird film because, yeah, you don't, you don't know what the threat is. You don't know what the consequences are for anyone's actions. So I uh, actually, when I was talking with Nina, I was talking about a different film. And I don't know what film it was that we were talking about, but I described watching it like being trying to hang on to a giant bowling ball and having no grip and just sliding off of it. And, and that's the film kind of felt the same way to me where you have no, there's no penetrating this film and you're just sort of sliding down the surface of it and then you fall off. And in my case, I fell off by falling asleep for a bit. Yeah. Well, I was waking up by an incredible noise. And then I saw a, a child, blur, a blurry child with, with its mouth gone. Yeah. But I didn't know why. No, my problem was is that then it was so loud that it also that's when I woke up too. Yeah. And then I was anticipating it being loud because I was like, oh, this is like where things start to like. Yeah, yeah, that's going to happen. Up. Yeah, like, yeah. This is, and then nothing happened. No, and so like... I was just sitting there anticipating noises. 
and being like, I can't fall asleep because it's going to be loud again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be that person in, like, who, like, falls asleep at the, like, orchestra. Have you ever seen that video of the lady who's, like, obviously fallen asleep at, like, an orchestra and they, like, okay. have a really loud noise to start okay. their music and yeah, she, yeah. like, screams herself awake because she's so shocked. I didn't want to be that person. So I was like, oh, well, now I can't go to sleep because it's going to be loud and then it wasn't. So then I lost out on more sleep. <laughs> when I was a... Uh... When I was a teenager and I went to on a band trip to this small town in BC, I was like, it was a 19 hour bus ride there and I stayed awake the whole time. So I was up for a long time through like, you know, we left the day before we got there in the morning and then I was up all day and then up into the night and we went to a movie at night and I fell asleep in the theater because, you know, the thing is like, I used to do that the ballet as well. Like as soon as you sit down and you're like in a warm place and it's dark and music's playing, it's like so soothing if you're all tired, you're just like, but so I fell asleep. But I had a dream, and in my dream I screamed, and I woke up, and then I was like, did I just scream aloud? And I'm looking around at people, like, is, is anyone looking at me? But everyone seemed to be, like, paying attention to the movie. They weren't. Yeah. They weren't just, then I was like, okay, I probably didn't make a hmm. noise. But it felt like I woke up going, Excuse me? So everyone just, <laughs> this movie's pretty scary, right? Oh, it's not? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I I feel like at least in a, like a horror movie it would be acceptable to let her to scream when something loud and scary is happening. It would still be embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. And well, like, a few people did scream to the movie yeah. because because they had these really like in your face loud. Yeah, after, and like you are so starved for content <laughs> yeah. at that point. Like you're, it's like forty minutes. All you've been looking at is like darkness. Yeah. And, yeah. Seeing like people's feet and people whispering <laughs> in cabinets, and then all of a sudden there's like a big, bright, loud, scary thing on the screen. Of yeah. course, you're gonna be yeah, shocked so, by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty cheap with its. Uh, I mean, I'm not opposed to um, a couple jump scares. Some jump scares. I think that's fine. Like, I think yeah. it's fun. You know, like every horror movie should have a couple of jump scares in it. Uh, even if it's just like a quick cut to something. I mean, think of like The Ring, which I think is a very, very good horror film. And there's that great jump scare at the beginning of the girl's, the teenage girl's face distorted by, by horror. And mm -hmm. it's, it's disturbing. Yeah. And it's scary. And then it makes you dread the rest of yes. the film, you know, and it's a good setup for that. And, uh, yeah, you need those, you need a few jump scares in a movie to key you up and keep you on the edge of your seat. But too many, it just starts to feel like they have well, nothing going on. And when that, also feels like the only horror in the movie is just these jump scares. Like, nothing else was, like, all that scary. Yeah. Like, it was just sort of, you know, kids sitting around, <laughs> parents walking around talking. Yeah, like, yeah. I can't, maybe, because it was dark, so you're just kind of... I was like, yeah, I guess this is sort of happening. <laughs> like, again, cabinets, maybe, like, the odd chair on the roof. Yeah. Which, chair um, on the ceiling, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know why. Yeah, we didn't see the roof over there. <laughs> That would require windows to yeah. the house. Yeah. Flashing things. It's like little toy snakes disappearing and then coming back and then disappearing. And coming. I don't, like, I don't know. Like, what was the purpose of that? Yeah, yeah. Like, is it that this entity is trying to play with the kids and, like, that's his yeah. thing? I don't know. See, that would have been cool right? if we understood that that's what he did. Like, if you had a movie like that and you open with a sequence that showed this entity destroying another family yeah or the remnants of it yeah. or whatever and you get the kind of story of this when it starts happening to this family then you're like oh my gosh mm -hmm. this is bad for them uh, you're worried about them and you know and you introduce them a bit better than just seeing their ankles walking around yeah um yeah, i have no idea i don't even know the kids names i don't even know the parents or mom and kaylee dad. Kaylee, kaylee and kevin and kevin <laughs> mom and dad yeah mom and dad which makes sense but yeah 
still, oh my god. It makes sense as a, and I mean, the, it, it is kind of, it is spooky, like, when when the Kaylee goes in and she can only see the back of her mother, you know, but then nothing happens with that. Yeah. There's no, like, payoff to that. Really, like, the mom's just chilling, I guess. But then she kind of scrunches out of yeah. sight or something. Does some sort of weird thing. Scrunchy, crunchy. <laughs> some sort of noise and she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. then, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, we've so made there's it. our rave review. There's our rave review. <laughs> My one-star review of Skinamarink. Yeah. Uh, I give it a S for stinky. Should be called Skinamastink. I don't know. Maybe people... I don't know. I should read some reviews on Letterboxd, I guess, and uh, find out what people think about it. Because... I'd just be curious. I'd be curious, like if someone thought it was like actually scary or in some way interesting. Uh, Mary said that the people who made it came out of doing like YouTube. Yeah, like creepy pastas. Which I don't know what those are. Creepy pastas. Creepy pastas are just they're just internet like scary stories. Okay. So there, there's usually they've got like a character like Slenderman. Okay. Creepy pasta. Okay. Oh. Okay. So like it's just sort of like something that like a story that people kind of create like a spooky image for okay. and then we'll just like tell kind of Be, kind scary of... stories and then it kind of creates like a folklore around this yeah like, yeah oh then you take pictures and you see slender man in the background yeah yeah and like that's yeah that's spooky. That... that's spooky that's yeah. yeah and like stuff like that, that but they creepy. usually like a lot of the times like they get kind of blown but just like they get a little bit too big for their breaches, yeah, as okay. far as the story, and then you're kind of like, okay, yawn. Like, yeah, yeah. I get it. They become overly powerful, yeah. and they're, oh, yeah, and you're then like, nothing can it, stop like, it. Yeah, and, yeah, it needs to yeah. stay in like the background to mm-hmm. be creepy. It can't yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Boring. There's a lot of them. Like, there's a ton. Like, sure. and they're usually like, I'll see if I can find like an example picture for you because like when you do watch it and you like know that that's where he comes from. Okay. Like a lot of the like girl with no mouth. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they kind of come out of that culture of like the the five minute short short YouTube video and stuff like that, which you know there, there's that class there's that classic YouTube horror vi- video that's very good. The uh, lights out. See, like, okay, this is Jeff the Killer, which I don't know anything about. Okay, because <laughs> I think it's a little past my time. But yeah. the kids at work will talk about it. Okay, okay. And it's just like something that'll show up, I think, in videos. Uh, okay. And he looks like. Okay, well, that's spooky. Yeah, yeah he's that's, spooky, just like a big creepy. white face with like creepy yeah. mouth and big old eyes. Yeah, it's a featureless blobby face yeah. with eyes and a, and a smiling mouth. And, and yeah. Like that's that's. That'd be then, that'd be scary if you saw that creeping in your room. Yeah. Or if you had like uh, that sleep um, problem. I can't think of the name for it now. Hi- the hypnagogic oh, yeah. state where you people will have like. Um, They'll go into that and they'll have these very vivid, dr- vivid dreams of like people standing at the end of their bed. Uh, that would be creepy, right? If you had like a hypnagogic dream of Jeff the killer standing at the end of your bed. Yes. That's creepy. That would be very creepy. Also, I'm looking at the creepypasta like wiki page. Okay. And I just, I just like that it says he is an adolescent serial killer and registered creepypasta. <laughs> like, Re- registered? Yeah. On what registry? <laughs> I didn't realize. Is there a trademark syndicate for, uh, for um, creepy pastas. Oh, so he was a he was disfigured after being set on fire while fighting a gang of bullies and lost his san- sanity after witnessing his new and beautiful in quotes face. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, but it's just yeah, they're just like silly stories yeah, that are meant to scare kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but now they've 
you know. It's kind of the equivalent of when I was a kid of like the hook-handed man story. Yeah, of the like couple, that. you know, having making out and then mm -hmm. they, they drive away and both the hooks hanging in the door and whatever. Like all those kind of stories yeah, that those are kind of folk stories. Yeah, yeah. I I know that like Supernatural did a lot of those. When those of... stories are told to you, they're told to you as in it actually happened. Yes, not not like the one with the. Do you know the one where there's like the drip drip in the shower? Okay. Did you have that one when you were little? And like the girl's dog is licking her hand and she's like, stop licking my hand. And she like goes and tries to turn off the shower and it, she's like, okay, goes back to bed. And she hears like a drip drip in the shower again. And the dog like licks her hand again. She's like, stop licking my hand. Get out of here. Yeah. And then she like goes back, tries to like turn off the shower and yeah. goes back to bed. And then she hears a drip drip. The dog licks her hand. And then she's like, what's going on? So she like goes into the bathroom, turns on the light, and the drip drip was her dog hanging in the bathroom. He's been, like, killed, and oh, it's okay. his blood dripping. Yeah. So then she's like, who's been licking my hand? It's just like that kind of... Yeah, yeah, That yeah. was our kind of yeah, yeah, man when yeah. I was little. That's a good freaky story. It is a good freaky story. I never heard that before. Oh, yeah. I told it horribly, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've lost the art of telling that story. <laughs> it was fine. I, I found it freaky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's... It's, yeah, it's, um... That, you know, like... Horror movies are great to make because they're cheap. They're, you know, they can be, they're, they can be low budget. Yeah. And they are very popular. You know, like kids love to go to them and be scared. So you have like a guaranteed audience for, for your horror movies. You're not, you know, you, you, like the reason that, um, like, uh, that company that, uh, what are they called now? Oh, that Bloomhouse? Bloomhouse, yes. The reason that they exist is because they've figured out how to make cheap, popular horror movies mm -hmm. that make a lot of money, you know, and so they, they have, they have refined that yeah. down to a, a science, I assume. And, but the idea though, that horror movies are easy to make is a different problem because they're actually really hard to make because you need to have a sense of storytelling and a sense of, of, um, timing and how to like, in, you know, and like this movie is a good example of that where, it doesn't have like a good a good sense of like timing and how to how to make um, how to make uh, how to make you know how to make something scary and full of dread and all those sort of feelings that you should have in a good horror movie. You know, like a good horror movie should have you like anxious and dreading and you know, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. Whereas this film, you know, it's kind of like it's sort of like uh, a bit of like a in your face, Dave. You say atmosphere is so important. What about a movie that's all atmosphere? Yeah. And you're saying, well, okay, that's not I good either. Like, I, like in most horror movies, you know, you're kind of like nervous, anticipating, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, something bad happening to these characters. But yeah. I was nervous, anticipating just noise. <laughs> yeah, like I was yeah. like, oh, it's gonna something's gonna happen, and it's gonna be so loud on my poor ears, <laughs> and I'm not gonna have time to plug my poor ears, and it's gonna be so loud. <laughs> That was about my whole experience. That was your whole experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, we'll have to go see Megan to uh, to wipe this out. Yes. Wipe the taste of this out of our mouth. I've heard it's good. Yeah, it sounds like it's a fun it's film. Silly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, if a horror movie can't be scary, it can also be silly, and that's equally fun. Mm-hmm. You know? I think if they have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like a film like Malignant. Is yes, this... Malignant. What a goofy movie. It's just like a w wacky movie. Yeah. And and like, who, like, where, what made you think of that? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It's, yeah, and the fact that it's borrowing from, you know, like, borrowing from, like, trauma films and taking elements of, mm -hmm. like, um, 
you know, Hong Kong action movies and yeah. just like, just yeah, like a, it's like a big when, when the, po- potpourri. The whole police yeah, station but, scene. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I might have to give it a rewatch, actually. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> but anyway, so the Skin and Marink. Mm-hmm. I am, I haven't letterboxed it yet, but I'm going to, but it's been, it's my, um, I, I wasn't, it's not like a New Year's resolution because that's silly, but I, I did decide that I want to try and, I was looking at my letterbox and I had like three films that I'd done like a whole year ago. Like I did like Licorice Pizza, hmm. I mean Matrix Re- Resurrections and one other film. And I was like, that's it. That's all I watch. That's all I watch. No, I watch a ton of movies every, yeah. and I wish I'd, I wish I'd letterbox them because there's a lot in there that I, I, I liked a lot. And so I'm going to try this year to letterbox all the movies that I watch. But speaking of movies, I thought it'd be fun today since... I don't know. I thought you might be a little ill at ease doing this, but actually you seem really, you seem really at ease, I guess, because it's just you and I talking yeah. and it doesn't feel like we're being, you know, you know, you're being recorded, but it doesn't have that sense of like people watching you. Yeah. Uh, do you get nervous when you talk in public? Yes, definitely. Oh, really? Yeah. I used to get really nervous. Yeah, I never, I don't like, it. guess it depends what setting. I don't like talking. I've got, I got better at it in university just because I had to. I mm-hmm. don't like doing it, but yeah. once I'm up there. I just have to focus on not talking too quickly because mm-hmm. I'll just like, Zip. Blah, 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 and then you're done. And then everyone's like, what did she just say? But I, yeah, I got better at it and more, more like fine with doing it. I don't mm-hmm. like doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find if I'm in a group that is uncomfortable, yeah, I'm much better oh, at really? presenting. So if the group is uncomfortable with yeah, it, then you're better. Then I'm better at it. Because there's already discomfort. You're not yeah. going to add to it. And I'm just like, okay, it's fine. We're all, we're all I'll feeling do it. it. Stop complaining. <laughs> and then you just do it. Oh, so if you're like in a group of people and they don't want to do it, yeah. you'll you'll present. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I used to be very nervous. When I used to do like, uh, if I had to do like any, eat something stupidly small in a no fun show, mm-hmm. I'd just be like so nervous about it. Like just like stomach churningly nervous. Mm-hmm. And it would be nothing. Honestly, it was like one minute on stage sometimes, but I would still be super nervous about it. Uh, I've lost that now. And I don't know if it's just that I've done so much of that that it doesn't it rolls off my back or if i just like my attitude to it has changed a bit like now i like like uh, uncle david or david m will you know he'll be like oh i'm gonna get you to do something in the show and he'll be like oh well don't tell me i'll just i'll just do it on the day of and we'll just wing it and see what happens yeah i'm fine with it not working or working who cares yeah i think but, you care less about what people think of you too as you get older as you get older yeah maybe that's true because that's true you get kind of preoccupied with like <laughs> I'm gonna mess up, and both of us aren't good at messing up in front of people. Well, that's too. true. We were talking about that yesterday. Yeah, so that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, public speaking. It, truly, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. As a kid, I, well, like, I'm still, I'm still not comfortable with messing up in front of people. Mm-hmm. Like, I still would, I would still, even though in my head I can construct like fairly fluent um, French conversations. You know, which what I would do yeah. when I was in Paris. I was like doing all these French conversations in my head, but I would never be able to say them to people because I'm so fearful of like looking like a dummy yeah. to people and I don't enjoy appearing stupid. Um, I think like in the context of doing something on stage, uh, something like what I was doing, it's okay to screw up. It's part of the fun actually that, you know, you just have to w- work your way out of it and it's okay. And that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. But it would be different talking to someone in their own language and them listening to you as you as you massacre it, I just it, ma- it makes me so nervous feeling about it that I can't I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it. And you know, like around, I'll watch like French in, uh, Instagram 
tu- uh, French tutoring or Spanish things, and and I'll like do these super accurate uh, recitations of the that word and that you know properly pronounced and everything. But I could never. I think if I talked to someone, I would just lose all that wanting. You know, yeah. feel so phony doing like this fake, fake French. Act. What feels fake? It's I not fake because you're I actually doing a French accent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I always <laughs> struggled with. Yeah. Also, like when I went to France, whatever that was, when I was in grade ten or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember trying to speak French to, like, especially because we went to smaller towns. Like we were mm-hmm. in Paris. Like we were in like, kind of like the beach towns. Like you know, like yeah, up more northern mm-hmm. France mm-hmm. and you try and speak French to these people and then they would hound you about your pronunciation of things. I'm oh, like, really? I'm trying. Like, really? Hey, could I ha- could I, yeah. Like even like saying like, Oh, like could I have a hamburger in French, but pronouncing hamburger, hamburger. I remember one lady was like, Oh, I, I do not know what you mean by hamburger. I was like, really, you don't, do you not like it? Hamburger, you really need me to drop the H to get it. Because it feels like, for me, speaking English, it feels very phony to to go, you know. Yeah, well, just, yeah, because you're not. Because, like, a hamburger, that's, if, the, that's the English word. Like, yeah. you guys have not changed that. <laughs> hamburger. Yeah, and it feels, yeah, I would just, it just feels weird. Like, uh, yeah, it just, it just, it's just hard to explain. It's hard to explain how our mind works. Yeah. Our mind works the same on that yeah. level. We're, we're simpatico there. Definitely. We agree. <laughs> we agree. The, the embarrassment of Don't. doing Please. any sort of acting. Oh. Oh. <laughs> doing a skit in class. No. It's so funny because, yeah, like, I, Eden and I started, like, doing theater sports together. And Eden was very proficient at it. And all I could do was be outside of myself looking at me and just thinking, like, what an idiot. Yeah. You dummy. What are you doing? Well, so this is not even good. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I just could not escape my own. Let's, let's pretend we're in a. Voice. Let's pretend we're in a cafe. Let's pretend. It, no, I'm not in a cafe. Ugh. That's so. I couldn't do. Like, I don't care if I'm watching other people do it. Yeah. I'm like, oh my, this is so like it's fun. It's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Watching myself do it, I'm like embarrassing, soul crushing. You're never gonna recover. Everyone thinks you look dumb, even though everyone else is doing it. Yeah, also. exactly. And most likely, do not think you look dumb because no. they're also they're just enjoying your you but doing it. Honestly, like though, you. you probably do look dumb because you think you look dumb, and yeah, now no, you're yeah. acting like you look dumb. Uh, okay, yeah. So that's then you start help. being like really self conscious. Can I get a? Can I get a? Can I get a? Uh, can I get a coffee? I guess uh, you're kind of like looking at the crowd, like because you're like, oh, this is dumb, right? You can't admit that like you're just having fun doing, yeah, yeah. like theater sports stuff. You got to be like, oh, look at look at this stupid situation I'm in. Am I right, guys? And everyone's like, no, that's no, fine because we're all here doing the exact yeah, same thing. It's cool. I mean, it doesn't help that I never did it. Like, I mean, you did it kind of in a voluntary way, though. Yeah, also, yeah. Which, yeah. It's almost worse for you because <laughs> you were with a bunch of people who were really who wanting know. to do it. But yeah. like, I would have done it in like grade eight yeah. drama that you had to do because that was one of the three electives they made you do every year. Okay. And that, you know, it's full of a classroom full of a bunch of guys who probably should be doing metal work. <laughs> so they also don't want to be there. Yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> All right. So, um, so I, I assigned you with, with a, I gave you an assignment last yes, night. Yes, you did. I said, I know you're at a, I know you're doing drinking games. <laughs> I want you to write up a list for me. But I just thought it 
because we are both a couple of, I think you more than me, but we are both enjoy romantic comedies. Yes. Like I love rom-coms. I think it's like, I love the feeling, uh, the exhilarating feeling when the couple come together at the end of the film or when, when something happens in the movie, the emotional moment, that watershed moment of, uh, things are, this is acceptable or this is working or whatever. You know what I mean? I just love those yes. sort of feelings. And I, you know, like people like, obviously everyone knows I love Pride and Prejudice. My favorite scene in Pride and Prejudice, it's bizarre, is the scene where, uh, Lizzie goes to, um, goes to Darcy's, um, place. place. I'm trying to think of it now. Yeah. Has a name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't force it. You can't force it. Just let it come. It'll come. It'll come. But she goes there and, and I love when she is going through it and she's hearing about how great he is from the, from the, the staff, the staff, like the lady, yeah. the lady who's doing the tour. And she's realizing like, not, not what she's giving up, but who she's giving up, you know, and, or who she has given up because in her mind it's, it's over. Like she is, she is you know, insulted this person so much that there's no way that they can walk this back. And so to her, it's like a, a total night, you know, nightmare. And then they meet and it's just so great. It's just, to me, that's like, that's my favorite scene in, in, in uh, Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost, re- I almost resent the, the third act dip of, of, uh, with, uh, the youngest sister. Oh, um, Kitty, not Kitty. Not, not Kitty. Oh, uh, Mary? No, not Mary's, Mary's the piano one. playing one. <laughs> oh, why are we just... Jane, Jane Kitty. Kitty uh, oh. Boy, anyway. What's her name? <laughs> okay. That's a problem. Do we need a little snack or something? Yeah, we, sugar? <laughs> that's <laughs> a problem. We're going to be going through these lists and not remember no, a single not thing. Not remember a sing- single thing, yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny. So, uh, yeah, we should what's, maybe have a snack. What's her name? Everyone, everyone's calling to us in yeah. in, uh, in in Sneakerland. They're just like, "Oh, come on, you two! <laughs> it's obviously called such and such, and it's obviously Lydia." Lydia, thank you. There we go. <laughs> yes, when Lydia runs off with with Wickham, I just resent that so much because mm-hmm. it's just it feels just like a roadblock that one too many roadblocks to the story. Well, and also it hits at like a point in the story where you're like, oh, it's just so cute. Yeah. You're like, oh, like yeah. I just love that they're like finally, finally yeah. kind of opening up to each other, and yeah, then it's yeah. like, never mind. Yeah. And she meets she meets uh, Darcy's sister, mm-hmm. and that's so wonderful because. You know, that she's like, oh, he talks about you so much and he compliments your piano playing and all these things, you know, that, and you're just like, oh boy, he really is, is smitten by her. This is great, you know. And Pemberley. Pemberley. Yes. Good job. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Should have remembered the, uh, the not very good P.D. James, uh, murder at Pemberley. Mm. Um, not that P.D. James is bad as a writer, but just, she's no Jane Austen. So the attempt to like write a Jane Austen style murder mystery at Pemberley is, eh. but anyway, um, so yeah, so we both love romantic comedy. What do you love about a romantic comedy? That's a good question. I mean, I don't really like sad stories. Okay. Like I don't, I I don't mind them. Like I'll I'll watch them once. Yeah. Uh, but then I'm like, I don't need to continue. I don't need <laughs> yeah. to like sit in sadness. <laughs> I don't want to like if I'm gonna be watching something as like an escape from reality. I don't mm-hmm. really want to be watching something that's a downer. Yeah, someone else's terrible reality. Yeah, I'm like, oh. My. <laughs> You know, so like you know, I'll watch like an action movie and mm-hmm. like that's fun. Yeah. Or like romantic comedies, I just find cute. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's a nice little, it's a nice little story, and they're yeah. like kind of you can kind of you can watch them and they're enjoyable. Yeah. And then you just sort of forget about it, 
Mm-hmm. And you don't like you don't really have to think about them, but you sort of yeah. And there's good romantic comedies because a good romantic comedy is open-hearted. You know, it's it's a loving it's a loving situation, and and I find I don't like enjoy when ones where that's mean. Like there's yes. a lot of meanness and stuff like that in, yes, in it. Like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Yeah, I don't like which that is movie. Like my least favorite romantic comedy <laughs> ever. You're like, what? These people both suck. I'm not rooting for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, there's not even like one nice yeah person in. In their lives, movie. or yeah, yeah. You know? Like if you watch, like, oh, what's that one? He's just not that into you. Okay. There's characters in that. Have you ever seen that movie? I haven't, because I always felt like it. Was... <sighs> okay, so I came out of uh, Six in the City. Okay, yeah. He's just not that into you. Yeah. And the guy who like wrote that script for Sex and the City, he took that and he like made it into an empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also did try to do stand up comedy based on it too, and so I saw him perform it at a comedy bang bang thing at during uh, one of the just for last festivals here and it was okay but he was just like so out of place amongst all the red like uh, Patton oswalt and and uh you know Patton oswalt and people like that marie uh Ma- did i say marie mm-hmm. that's not right <laughs> man maybe i should go have a sandwich <laughs> my brain i just i just came from church i did have i did have some pound cake there nice got a couple tim tams yeah yeah that should have been enough for us but yeah. apparently not uh but anyway um, yeah, it just didn't really fit into that like uh, group of people that were all kind of like kind of edgy, edgier, not super edgy, but edgier comedians. Uh, and so that's always kind of put me off of that. I don't know why. So I kind of transferred that feeling to the movie. I had trouble. I think at first, whenever I saw it, like on Netflix or wherever it is, yeah. I, I didn't want to watch it because I don't know why I watched so many romantic comedies. I don't know why I thought this. I was like, oh, that's such a, like, such a girl's movie, you know? Okay. Like, because that was, like, when it first came out, it was like, yeah. he's just not into you. That it was a big movie, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like, I remember hearing... It's a big like, idea. Yeah. The idea that this person, why isn't this working? Well, he's just not in, into you. What? Yeah. <laughs> this is and I was like, oh, that's such a girl. But then I watched it, and I was like, oh, this movie is actually great. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not on my list. Yeah. But I still think it's, like, a really good movie. I'll have to watch it like a lot it's kind of like one of those movies that follows a bunch of different characters mm, and they're okay, yeah, yeah. kind of all connected in some way but yeah. they're all experiencing different so they all have their own story and then yeah different the... stories and like a lot of them are very like reasonable mm. grounded stories yeah. that you're like oh they're struggling with this mm-hmm. but like that's like a reasonable thing to you know be having trouble connecting with people that you're dating like you can't meet people so you're trying to meet people online and it's hard to connect with people that way yeah that's a reasonable plot line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I can see that happening. Can I see a journalist who's trying to orchestrate how to lose a man by just, like, torturing him? And this guy's, like, trying to... I don't think he's, like, trying to win a bet that yeah, he yeah. just suck. Yeah. I'm like, no, I can't see that. Because, like, that is... That's no fun. What's the fun of this? Yeah. Because like, you want the people to get together. Whatever roadblocks, whether it's their own personalities, yeah. their personal situations or whatever, you need them to overcome it and to and to come together. And that's what's great. I watched a really disappointing one last night. I watched a movie called Kissing Jessica Stein, which I'd never heard of before. I but I, I will admit, I made my list last night. And then I was like, have I missed any that are like obvious that... I love and I didn't so I went I was looking like at a list of, of, yeah, of films. I did that too. I'd already made my list, but and I didn't change it. But I just I added a few as runner ups based mm-hmm. on what I was reading on this list. And I just thought maybe we would have two that overlapped and I would just switch one out and with another one from okay. my runner up list. But um if this kissing Jessica Stein was in there and so that's right up my weird personality right now, which is like lesbian mm-hmm. rom coms. 
And I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. It's got this Jewish angle, New York Jewish angle, all things I love, right? You know, Woody Allen-ish kind of stuff. And so I, was, I watched this movie. And so in this film, Jessica Stein is Jewish, but she's like a, works for a magazine or newspaper as a copy editor. And she loves the poet Rilke. And someone reads this quote at the beginning of the film. Like they, they say this quote. I don't I think it's like an old, uh, like a narrated part. And, you know, you get the sense, like her mother is a very Jewish mother. She's mm-hmm. trying to like hook her up with every guy that she meets who's single and, and stuff like that. And she's just not, she's just not that into them. Yeah. And she doesn't understand why. She's, you know, she's really picky. And you get a couple of like those great little auditioning date scenes where like the guys are jerks or whatever. Or not yeah. even jerks. They're just not for There's, her. Yeah. And yeah. And, um, which I enjoy those little, I enjoy those sequences a lot in these sort of films. And then she see someone is reading like, cause this movie is like 2003. So there's still like newspapers are still believable. Yes. And so, um, someone in the newspaper office is reading this, uh, like a romance from the, ro- you know, romance section or personal or whatever. And someone has quoted Rilke. Mm-hmm. And so she's just like mind blowing. Who is this person? I have to know them. And so she responds, but she's not, it's a woman though. Mm. And so she's kind of ill at ease about this because she's not gay. Yeah. And But she just wants to kind of connect to this person because of this shared interest. Not realizing, of course, that this person actually is a friend who gave her the quote, but that's fine. So then um, it doesn't even come up in the movie that she just, you know. Um, and so they get together and, if, you know, and she's very, first she's very standoffish, and but they fall in love. Through the film, they fall in love. And, and you know, and the movie kind of answers, why weren't, why weren't you just, I'm not into these guys? Well, because you aren't into guys and then and there's a great scene in the film where her brother's getting married it's kind of stated near the beginning and and as we get towards the end of the film it becomes you know the wedding's coming up it's in a week and her friend like her girlfriend meets jessica getting fitted for her for her uh bridesmaid gown and she's like what's going on like and, and then it turns out my brother her brother you know this her girlfriend's brother's getting married and she's not invited to the wedding and of course, she's very upset about this because what is our life if I'm not part of your life, if I'm not sharing these things with you? And they have like a little fight outside of the, the you know, the, the bridal place. And the mother is there and she sees this, but she doesn't know what they're fighting about. She just sees this, you know, this argument. And then they break up. Of course, this is the sad part of the film. This is the third act dip. And then there's a great scene where they're having like a, a rehearsal dinner or whatever, and Jessica's very sad, and she's sitting outside, and her mom comes out, and she's sitting with her, and they're talking. And her mom's talking about her perfectionism, and talking about this fact that she'd been in this play when she was a kid, and she quit the play because she felt she felt the guy that was playing opposite her wasn't good enough, and the play wouldn't be good, and so she didn't want to be part of it. And so she gave up that role to someone else, and her mom points out that, you know, that person was terrible. They did a terrible job, but the person that you thought was going to be terrible was great, and you two together would have been, it would have been a great play. And so, you know, it's basically just saying you can't, you can't judge everything without experiencing it, you know? And then uh, she says to her, her mom says, and by the way, I really like Helen. I love, you know, basically saying, I know that you are having a relationship with this woman and I really like her. Mm-hmm. And it, this accepting moment, and of course I'm watching him. <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> and then... You know, so then they have the wedding happens, stuff like that, and blah blah blah. And then three—it's three months later—they're broken up. Oh, yeah, that's what I said. And then it's like, oh, she's going to get together with this guy. Oh, yeah, and you're like, what, what the hell? It's like this movie went this far, and it's like, oh no no no, yeah. you know, we can't have this happening because you know it's okay. It's kind of cute to 
happen to people that aren't the main character, but really, don't worry, she's going to marry this nice Jewish boy and it'll all be good. And you're That's like, weird. Ugh, and you're just like, ugh, you've killed me, movie. Well, also, I feel like, uh, you know, movies where... Spoilers, everyone. Where people break up at the end. Yeah. I'm like... That's not a rom-com. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see that. Yeah. That's that's regular life. If I want regular life. I'll just do regular life. Yeah, I want yeah. the I want the soppy story. Yeah. where everything's happy. That's right. Go into the drama section if you. My favorite if you quote. Want people to break up. My favorite quote that I always say is Robert Altman's: "There are no happy endings, just happy stopping places." And top when it's happy, that's a rom com. Yeah. A comedy by nature ends with a positive, happy thing. You know, like. Romeo and Juliet, it's a tragedy because mm-hmm. the characters are dead at the end of yes. it. Brokeback Mountain is not a romantic comedy. <laughs> it's not a romantic comedy. <laughs> the characters are foiled in their love for each other by circumstances, by their own personalities. <sighs> but anyway, so I think it's hard to define a romantic comedy, but I do think that's an essential part of it is that the people get together mm-hmm. at the end of the film. It yes. doesn't matter. I, I, do, I don't want to know a year from now. Yeah, I do have a couple on my list mm-hmm. that I'm like... Is this a romantic comedy? I'm like, it's it's on my romantic comedy list. Yeah, yeah. So like, whatever. that's fine. Yeah, because if like, it... I don't want to hear about it. Okay, <laughs> you you want you want to not say it's a romantic comedy? Make your own romantic comedy list, and then we'll talk. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. I like how you got defensive before the list even got read. So just one second, I'm just gonna do something because I need to. I was writing a letterbox review, and what I hate about letterbox reviews is I you apparently can't save them. So I'm just gonna copy it into my notes. Yeah, so when I made my list, I just sort of like went through a bunch of romantic comedy lists and then threw them into my notes app. And then ones that I also thought of, I put in there. Yeah. And then I just sort of moved them around until I was happy with it and like deleted ones that I was like, I like it, but like, you know, it's not going to make the list. Mm -hmm. And then eventually kind of came to the top five. Okay. And then I do have some in like the runner up section okay. that I I looked at and I was like like they're good movies, but I was like, would do I would I want them to like replace the tough? I was like, eh, probably not. Like yeah. and I think what how I'm ranking this is maybe not in order of like what everyone thinks is the best romantic comedy. It's no, just, no, it's like, personal. It's totally yeah, a personal thing and that's what my it should be. Yeah. Best romantic okay. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Uh, are we doing like one at a time or Yeah, we'll go back and forth. Um, do you want to start? I, I can start. So these are in no particular order. Yeah. Um, so my first one is pretty. It's going to be pretty obvious to people who know me. Cover one or two films. It's an A B, totally an A B, and I went with A because it was the first film I saw by this director, and that's Metropolitan. Oh yes. With Stillman. Of course. His films are wonderfully observed yes. slice of life films, but also romantic comedies. And Metropolitan is less romantic comedy than maybe Barcelona, which is more concerned with with looking for love, mm-hmm. looking for love in a strange land uh, with people whose uh, customs and mores are different than yours. Yeah. But, but it's a very good film and it's a very interesting film. And I do love it a lot. And pretty much I could watch either of these films a hundred times a day and never get bored of them because I love the characters in them so much. Yes. They're very real characters. They're very real characters. I think, yeah. I think, it, I think in romantic comedies, a lot of the time characters are very polished mm-hmm. and like they're very tropey. Yeah. So, you know, you've got like that get the independent journalist girl and the kind of like jerky guy who doesn't have a job and like her silly you know lonely best friend yeah who's like a goof yeah and possibly you know? gay yeah it could be gay <laughs> who knows yeah but yeah i feel like metropolitan you've just got like characters who like you've definitely met this person before oh and they're all characters yeah they're all super defined characters yes and what's interesting about the film too is that it's 
it's of a it's a nostalgic film. It's written of his past. It takes place in the past. It's not it's not like you know, I saw this film in nineteen ninety one ish around there. I had cancer. But I think I didn't know I had cancer when mm. I saw this film. I think I had it but I didn't know it. I was going through like a lot of discomfort but I didn't know why. Oh no Oh that doesn't matter. Anyway, this is around that time I saw this film. And so but the film itself probably takes place in the late seventies. Oh, okay. Mid to late seventies. It's not super clear in the film because it was done in a very low budget. Basically, the director, Whit Stillman, sold his apartment in New York City to fund the film. Wow. And so he like sold his own apartment and took all that money and put it into this movie. And he actually wrote Barcelona first. Okay. But Barcelona was a much more expensive film to make. Yeah. And so he wrote Metropolitan specifically because he knew he could borrow friends' apartments mm-hmm. and use like uh, one of the one of the apartments is actually in a museum in, in uh, New York City. Yeah, because this was some fancy oh, yeah. apartments. Yeah, they're actually like duplex apartments where yeah. like the elevator opens up into the apartment and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely like fancy. But it, again, yeah, it's just like filmed in a house or like mm-hmm. filmed on the street. So like you can kind of get away with not. Yeah. Like isn't one shot like he literally just got the guy to walk across the street because he didn't want to have to. Yeah, yeah. They didn't tell the hotel they were filming yeah. there. They just they just had him walk out of the hotel and they're filming across the street and and they like to use checker cabs because they could fit the ca- the camera equipment into them more easily. And oh, okay. once again, they didn't pay to rent the cabs or anything. They just used the yeah. cabs. So it's just cheaper that way. It was pretty pretty much guerrilla filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, the film suffers from it a little bit in terms of like clarity sometimes. In fact, I just got a message from David M. the other day, and he said, I just realized that Tom gets his Derringer from the garbage, or where Tom gets his Derringer from. And I wrote back and said, oh, you mean from the garbage can outside his dad's apartment building? And he's like, yeah, I just realized that after 30 years. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a little unclear in the film, just because, you know, the, the, the budget to retake stuff, and yeah. the shot is a little little dark, and so... Uh, but it was one of those things of like, well, we can, what can we do? We can't, I don't have another apartment to sell. So, yeah. um, but in the film itself, it kind of uses Jane Austen as a, as a model of a romantic comedy. Um, Mansfield Park is mentioned quite a bit in the film. Mm-hmm. The, the, um, Audrey, beloved Audrey. So great. Mm-hmm. The actress in that movie is so great. In fact, she was so good in that role that she pretty much typecast herself as that person, which she wasn't. She was from Queens. She had like a a New York accent, yeah. which she she hid as a, as a kind of upper class prep you know prep school girl. Uh, and a lot of people uh, make fun of or don't like the film because it shows like wealthy people's problems and you know cause, oh well well you know they don't have problems. <laughs> yeah. But it's but it's their problems. Yeah, I also know? feel like the the movie like in itself is like a bit of a look at their problems in that like it's kind of it's looking at like debutante yeah yeah right? yes yeah, which yeah. is like a total like it's like not a thing really anymore. it doesn't exist anymore yeah it, like i know the, in the my, south maybe yeah my my grasp of like debutantes is entirely based on that movie yeah and then one episode of the oc where they have like a debutante thing <laughs> okay. at their like country club sure sure which like i don't i don't know if that's it, a thing that country clubs in the states do but it's a weird thing it's basically it's basically a mark of rite of passage for for girls going from girlhood to womanhood and basically announces their arrival as a marriageable object mm. in society. Yeah. That's, Which is a bit of a passe. It's a bit of a passe concept. concept. <laughs> yes, very much so. And even in the seventies it would have been a passe concept. But as the characters pointed on the like the guy characters pointed on the movie, like um uh the uh Nick, the the smart mouthed, mm-hmm. uh very snobby character, points out this is a very cheap way to have entertainment. 
for a good solid month. Yeah. As long as you have a tuxedo and are available to be an escort, whether as a group escort or a personal escort to a, a girl who's going to one of these sort of things, you are set for the month, you know? So, you know, it seemed like a pretty interesting, interesting thing. But in the film itself, it has the wonderful, I wonder if it is truly romantic comedy. It kind of, it kind of falls. I have another movie into this list that also kind of maybe doesn't quite make it because at the end of the film, Audrey and Tom aren't necessarily together. Yeah. That's like Tom true. is kind of blowing it. Yeah. Like Audrey loves Tom. She loves Tom because of the letters that he wrote to a girlfriend that he never met, you know, sort yeah. of a pen pal girlfriend that he had at school. And Audrey falls in love with those. And when so Tom shows up at the, into this group, you know, she's very interested in him. And none of her friends can understand, like, why is she so fascinated by this guy? He only just arrived, not remembering these letters, obviously. Mm -hmm. But to her, he's very special because he's a thoughtful, interesting person in his letters. And that's, you know, she's interested in him because she's a very intellectual girl. And uh, so they have these great conversations in the film. But the whole time, he's kind of locked into this old love with his other, with Serena Slocum. Ugh. And uh, and so it's, um, yeah, it kind of ends. They They do go out. To Long Island, he and yes, he and his his, his friend uh, so ineptly because they're just young young men who have no idea how to like navigate life outside of like a very narrow parameter of checker cabs and and uh, such things and so suddenly buses and suddenly yeah. they're like having to rent a cab or rent a car and it's just a nightmare. But they end up going to Long Island to save her from almost certain deflowering, mm. and uh, so that to me is romantic. And it does end with with uh, them having a conversation. She's going to France to learn French, but it feels like it could still happen. Yeah, like it's not like totally they've broken up and she's yeah yeah yeah. Else. It's just it sort of ended on the cusp of 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 a relationship. I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen that movie since the first time I oh wow I watched it. I don't. I don't think I've rewatched it. I think mm. I saw. I think I saw Barcelona once. Well, you know, I have like two sets of dvds so maybe i'll, I'll just give you my my uh, second set yeah. of dvds and you can take those home. sold because <laughs> i got them on blu-ray because it's who he was only in metropolitan the main guy yeah he, that's he's, interesting he became a he became a uh like a minister at a church oh in toronto yeah he's canadian the actor was canadian edward something i can't remember his name now hmm. uh nick and taylor nick the, uh, christopher eigenman who played nick and taylor nichols who played i can't remember his character's name in the the film but is Charlie, the wonderfully moral, moral Charlie. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many like funny little moments in that film, like the talk of like Fauvists, yeah. not Fauvists, uh, are they Fourier, Fourier, Fourierists, uh, some sort yeah. of co socialist commune that uh, collapsed in, in yeah. upstate New York in the in the late 19th in the, century. In the, ub. <laughs> the whole yeah. ub thing with Charlie's, yeah, his urban haute bourgeoisie yeah. and Nick's wonderful. That's so wonderful. It just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then Nick's, uh, you know, uh, eventual drug-induced, uh, you know, getting shunned from the group and, yeah. and everything else. It's uh, and cheating on one of the girls as well. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's a great film, and I highly recommend it. I recommend both Barcelona and Metropolitan. I know you loved Last Days of Disco. I do love Last Days of Disco, oh, and that is not my favorite. But Stillman film, I do like it a lot. Mm -hmm. Like it's, just, but it's a step below with those yeah. two films. I, I think with Stillman, it's just it feels very like just His have own a world. moment, yeah. and then it's that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not like it almost doesn't feel like the end. Like I think that's why you can kind of feel like it's a romantic comedy because it doesn't feel like the end of a story. It's yeah. just sort of like he just caught a bit of it and mm -hmm. then shared it. Yeah, and then that's all you get. Yeah, that's all you get. You can imagine the rest of it. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. Yeah, there is a scene in uh, Last Days of Disco where Audrey is at 
the club. And they talk about her because she was the youngest person to get an editorship at some big publishing house at Harper Row or whatever, some big mm. publishing house in New York. And everyone's like, ooh, that's Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> Rouget. Audrey Rouget. All right, dear. So what is your uh, your first pick? Um, so I don't think you'll be surprised by this one. Um, but I don't think many people know this one. Okay. It's How Do You Know. Okay. That's my number three. That's your number three. Well, <laughs> it's a great movie. Because I love this film so much. I know. And I, I think, I don't think it got, I don't think it got good reviews. It got crummy reviews. And I don't By think, a bunch of dummies. Yeah. Because you know why it got crummy reviews, dear? The same reason that Metropolitan gets bad reviews. It's about people who are well off. Mm. It's about successful people. Yeah. And that kind of brings out the jealousy of people. And then it, then the reviews start to, the, the reviews yeah. turn on that. And I mean, like, it's not even, like, the men in it are successful, but... She's successful, too. She's successful, but not in, like, the way that she's, like, super no. loaded. Because she no. plays... She plays sports. She plays sports. She, she plays, plays women's, women's sports, sports. Which is the, yeah. not, a, not a really, you know, there's not a lot of re- compensation for that. You don't get, like, uh, you, you don't get the keys to the university or the college like you do if you're a male athlete playing football. Yes. Yeah, but Reese Witherspoon, Owen Wilson, Paul Rudd. Who? Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. And Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. Before before she was Catherine Hahn. Yeah. I mean, she was Catherine still, Hahn then, but... She's still playing Catherine Hahn. I know, but I'm just saying, like, now everyone knows who Catherine Hahn yes. is. When that movie came out, people weren't, like, she wasn't on people's radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's it's such a great cast. It's such a great cast. And it's almost a hard movie to describe because it's about transition. It's about life changing. Yes. And there's that also, it also has um, Monk in it. I can't remember. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, or, um... or, Oh, what's his name? Uh, oh, Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, Tony Shalhoub, who's also great. He's just also a great. small, very small yeah, role very in small it. Small role, but like he just like catches it. Is Tony Shalhoub, <laughs> He's, and he like gives yeah. his little like dose of wisdom, and you're like, that's great. That's yeah, great yeah. advice. It's so good, such good advice. Because in the so in the film, if people don't know this movie, I probably we talk, probably talked about it, Sneaky Dragon, because I love this film. Reach Witherspoon is a soft is a softball player, mm-hmm. and you see her start as a child, as a young girl getting her brother mad at her because he can't hit the ball off the tee and she pops it right away and she's off to the races. And then you see her as a grown up. She's now on, she's played through college uh, softball. She's now playing like Olympic levels yeah. softball and she's reached the end of her career. Uh, she's got a mean, a mean manager's come on the team played by uh, the brother-in-law and Hank, Hank, Hank from Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Yeah. And, uh, and he's really good in the movie yeah, too, actually as, as like this very like, straight ahead guy like he's not yeah he, he doesn't li- not like her but he's just he's a winner yeah and he's there to do his job mm-hmm. and he's there to make sure the team is as successful as they can he has no he interest doesn't. in history yeah he doesn't think yeah she'll be successful mm-hmm. in softball and all the other people are trying to convince him that like she's a great member of the team yeah, like, yeah. a great team player and he's yeah. like nope like not interested she's getting slow <laughs> she's she's gone yeah yeah she's lost a few she's lost some seconds off her and mm-hmm. she lost some lost a bit of re- her reflexes have gone a bit and that's what happens. That is that is life. Life is change. And so she is kind of cast adrift into this new life. And but she's still kind of wrapped up in that jockey world. So she she meets up with Owen Wilson who plays a very successful pitcher. And his character is charm uh, uh, the essence of charm. Uh but the essence of dumb charm. Yes. You know he has that certain kind of you know, like he thinks it's very charming that he has like a myriad of toothbrushes in his yes. cabinet. And like a bunch of like Little like sweatsuits, sweatsuits that are like branded to his like team, team. and they're all different sizes yeah. for, but all women's sizes, and they're yeah. all different sizes. So you know, if someone comes to his house after a party, they don't have to have the walk of shame leaving in their party dress and high heels in their hands. And uh, 
you know. She just thinks it's totally despicable. <laughs> yeah, but he can't see it. Yeah. He can't like, see it. He's like, I'm just being a good host. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, like, plays mm. the ultimate, like, himbo. He is so honest. Yeah. Because he doesn't see anything wrong with what is bad about him. Yeah. And it's really an interesting character. And then we have Paul Rudd, who yes. is a successful executive, but successful because his dad is runs the company. It's yes. his dad's company that he works for. And it turns out that his dad has done something bad, but he is the person who's going to take the fall for it. Yeah. As far as like, the government's like, concerned. I think he's basically like charged with like insider trading mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah, that's right. And so he loses his job. He loses. He has to sell his has to sell his uh, fancy townhouse mm-hmm. in order to fund his uh, his defense. Yeah, and his girlfriend breaks up with him because she's not really interested in dealing with the drama of it. <laughs> yeah, that's really talking about despicable. Yeah. And she's then, like, it's just I'm busy right now. Which mm-hmm. like I'm sure that would be a lot of people's reaction to that to just be like, I've got a lot going on. I can't be dealing with that. And he's like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. As someone whose girlfriend stuck with him through through two years of cancer you know i don't have a lot of yeah. <laughs> I don't have a lot of sympathy for that but you know it's uh it just feels yeah it feels like um yeah he's just, he's cast adrift too his life changes as well he's in a transitional place yeah, definitely. the only one who isn't in a transitional place is owen wilson's character yes. he's still top dog he's still top of his life yeah that will I stop mean, eventually he but is it, transitioning in the way that he's considering actually settling down mm, yeah which that's for true him yeah yeah is new new yeah yeah. and like they have that good like monogamy talk (laughs) it's like what does monogamy like really mean (laughs) but he's looking for outs he's got he's kind of he's got like he's got a legal mind he wants to Mm -hmm. want some ins and outs to this thing like what are we when you say monogamy yeah is it just one couple yeah (laughs) but he's good he's very good He's really good in the film. Owen Wilson's great. Uh, Paul Rudd is great. And Reese Witherspoon is great. And Jack Nicholson's really good, too. They're all very animated. Yeah. Through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, quite a... I think I also... Because like, there's really no major low point. No, there's not a huge dip to the film. Which I like. Because I'm never a big fan of the dips I'm in not movies. a big... I'm yeah. like, I don't get it. Yeah, like, yeah. you see it coming. and it, We know you have to have yeah. it, but... Like, other than... Uh, there's just a pressure... That, like, Paul Rudd has to make this decision. Yes, his, his, his decision is, do I betray my dad? Mm-hmm. You know, do I take the fall for this and go to prison for five years? And then my life will, and then I'll just have to pick up my pieces after that. Or do I betray my dad, who's already betrayed him, frankly? Yeah. Because he's made Paul Rudd's, <laughs> you know, he's yeah, made he's... it so that he is culpable for this. Um, but do I betray my dad, the person I love very much, and he go to jail? When he's so old that he'll most likely die there, mm-hmm. you know, and pretty much it hinges on will Reese Witherspoon love him? Yes, when she's already kind of tied kind up of tied up with with Owen Wilson's character, relationship yeah. with Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's a very it's a very fun, very good film. I'm glad you put that on your list. I put it on mine, and I thought, yeah. I bet you, I bet you, Evil have this on her list. There's another film I, I I like not quite as much as this one, but I wonder if it's going to be on your list. I'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the end. Of... <laughs> All right, yeah, that's a fabulous film i highly recommend it. i always recommend it to people and i feel like they don't like mary didn't like it right she, no she liked it. oh she did like it she did like it because i said you have to watch it and she was like meh and I was like, you have to watch it mary like you because she was watching this the only reason she watched it is because oh because uh, james blank, l brooks blank was, doing was doing a thing yeah. and she was watching his movies yeah and broadcast like, news and all because i was trying to for like a long time i was like you gotta watch it you gotta watch it and he was like no 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 and then finally she was watching stuff by him and i was <laughs> yeah. like just waiting I was like, <laughs> 
Now you've got to. Yeah, you got and to. she liked it. Yeah. I think because it's just, it's not an unpleasant, it's, they're not unpleasant people. No. And even like, yeah. though Owen Wilson is a jerk, like he's In a ways. bit of a jerk. He's a bit of a jerk. He's but, like not like a thoughtful. But he's like a dog. Yes. He's like a jerky dog. It's just like, <laughs> like goofy. Yeah. Like everyone's oh, just like. The note he writes so, to her. The. <laughs> I'm so upset. I broke a lamp. <laughs> okay, what's note? That yeah, is the that note. Is the note. <laughs> That's all I wrote. <laughs> also, uh, Mary. I think Mary really liked the uh, the proposal scene with Catherine Hahn oh, and yeah, her husband, yeah, yeah. or partner. Partner, yeah. yeah. Um, where he's supposed to be recording it, and <laughs> he like just doesn't press the record button by accident. <laughs> And everyone in the room is getting mad at him, even Reese Witherspoon, who doesn't know Catherine Hahn at all. Yeah, yeah. Just there's a... Just happy to be with him. Oh, yeah. It's a very good film, everyone. Uh, we, we recommend it. Recommend it. If, if you are afraid of life changes, you should watch this film. Mm-hmm. Also, oh. I was just going to say, with yeah. the, the low point, I think the low point in that movie is when Reese Witherspoon gets on the bus after the birthing thing, mm. and he's all upset because he like didn't get to say yeah. his... Little speech. His, like little speech and he like has a bit of like a freak out on the side of the road <laughs> and she gets like the bus driver to stop and she's like what's your problem man like are you good and he's like yeah i just like like had a lot that i would want to say to you and she's like well like let's just talk then <laughs> like it's just very like human fact, yeah, it's very to human. be like yeah yeah like it doesn't have to be a whole thing it's yeah, just yeah. like like the dinner like the dinner they have or the lunch they have together yes it's also very human yeah very real yeah yeah it's very it's a very good film i don't know why it didn't get good reviews it's silly Stupid. <laughs> dumb dumbs okay number two your namesake do you know what movie this is oh um the lady eve the lady eve yes, yes. i had to put a preston sturgis film into this list i think palm beach story or this one or sullivan's travels all of them are rom-coms i mean mm-hmm. you know sullivan's travels has a certain amount of commentary social commentary but in its essence it's the romance between joel mccray and veronica lake and the lady eve even though it's a crazy film you know with you know, so we have like uh, the great, the great. Uh, I can't remember her name now. <laughs> that lady. And, I hope I would... and that that guy who's <laughs> also great. I was, hoping by, great. I was hoping by saying great twice that it would pop into my head. <laughs> but it did not. It didn't even didn't even get it close to it. Oh my gosh. What's her name? Oh, I remember these things today. So it's, it's Sunday morning. I was up late. I was. I watched three movies last night. Um. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know? What's the guy's name? Henry Fonda. Dang, I was hoping that they know. <laughs> She's also in Double Indemnity with Fred McMurray. Hmm. They did two films together, Remember the Night and uh, Double Indemnity. But what is her name? That is a good question. Everyone, you know it. You know her, you love her. Barbara Stanwyck. There you go. <laughs> I had to picture the, the, uh, I pictured the laser discoverer for some reason. Oh, interesting. Anyway. I, can I say I knew this was going to be on your list? Okay. I saw it I, when I was looking at things. I was like, oh, I bet you that'll be on. I bet you that'll Because <laughs> you know I love this film. Yeah. So this is a, this is a, this film is not only one of the, it's a funny film. Like it has some great slapstick sequences. Because one thing that's great about Preston Sturges is he's kind of the, the writer director who brought slapstick back into movies, I oh. think. Like, like when the thirties, when the thirties came, when sound came into movies, because it was such a clunky new thing, you know, where films had to be, the cameras had to be sealed in boxes and they had to like hide microphones very close to the actors and like flower pots and things like that. It was very hard to have action in the film because the action was so noisy. You know, it'd be like watching Skinnamarink. Yeah. You know, it'd just be like all this really loud room noise and then suddenly like clattering sounds as people are running around a stage or whatever. 
And so besides Marx Brother films, which did have a little bit of, of horseplay in them, the, you know, like big slapstick sequences, uh, well, you know what I'm saying that, that I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about W.C. Fields. Eh, maybe W.C. Fields did it, but the, it was a tandem thing. But Preston Surge has brought it back and like into, like into romantic films and stuff like that. It, they're full of like, you know, like this film has like Henry Fonda having to change his suit jacket three times in a scene because he keeps falling over stuff and mm-hmm. having roast beef land in his lap and things. So, um, but in the movie, it's also one of the sexiest films ever made. Is it? Oh my God. The scene with like Barbara Stanwyck and, and Henry Fonda when they go to her, her cabin and oh, they're like yes. so close and oh, that's very hot. That sequence is as hot as you could get in a uh, 1940s yeah, movie. Yeah, at that point, definitely. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, so she and her dad, played by Charles Coburn, are, are, are gamblers who live, make a living, you know, kind of cheating people on ocean liners, on mm-hmm. luxury liners, going back and forth from place to place. And uh, Henry Fonda plays the heir of a, of a, a beer fortune, uh, something's pale ale. And, uh, but he is totally in, interested in that part of the, you know, he's not interested in industry and he's not interested in beer or ale. Yeah, isn't uh, he like a, like a snake? He's a herpetologist yeah. or whatever. Yeah. He's a, he's a, a, a snake researcher and basically but he's wealthy enough that they can have you know it's one of those things like i'm not interested in my money i'm interested though that my money can have a luxury liner stopped so i can board it in the middle of the ocean yes so i can leave the amazon uh so yeah so that's what happens and so uh you know barbara sandrick immediately sets her sights on him as a as a as a you know true pure and absolute dope Mm -hmm. you know there's that classic thing where she drops the apple on his head as he's climbing up the ladder um you know, from she she's above him, a couple decks above, and she drops his apple on his head. Luckily, he's wearing a pith helmet because he's an ex- African explorer, although he's in the Amazon. But um, so in the film, he he uh, is taken in by her, but she's taken in by him. Yes, she falls in love with him. Yes, she yes they are conniving and they do cheat him out of money, but you know he can afford it. Mm-hmm. But she also falls in love with him. But then the truth comes out, and it's revealed to him that. They are cheats and con artists. artists. And so he can't see that she really loves him. He can only see that she cheated him. Not cheated him out of money. He doesn't care about that. But cheated him emotionally Mm -hmm. because he had invested in her as someone who he loved. And it turns out she didn't love him. She did love him. But it doesn't feel like she loved him. She was just playing him. And so he dumps her. And is she heartbroken? Yes. Does she vow revenge? (laughs) Yes, she does. And so what's great about it is then she be- becomes the Lady Eve. She have suddenly appears in the neighborhood where he lives uh, with another con artist who has a pretend title, who kind of, you know, lives, uh, sponges off people because he's a, he's a fake aristocrat living in a fancy house in this neighborhood. And she kind of uh, pretends to be his cousin or his, his niece or whatever. And she introduces herself into, into Henry Fonda's parents' world. Yeah society as this upper crust british woman and she just uh comes on strong to henry fonda and of course william demarest who is a regular in preston sturgis film is classic in this movie you know in this scene the the sequence constantly walking around going i swear i'd seen her before you know like i swear i'd seen this dame somewhere you know like always uh but yeah the film has such a great emotional arc to it there is a you know, obviously, that the low point, the third act dip yeah. is is her revealing all these lovers to him after they've married, and him basically like divorcing her, uh, because he's realized he's made a ter- terrible mistake because he doesn't love Lady Eve, he loves the woman he met on the yes on the boat, and the movie ends with them coming together. 
And it's a wonderfully emotional payoff after all the comedy, all the slapstick, all the the sultry, bar, you know, sultriness that only Barbara Stanwyck can bring yeah. to a movie. Like, I don't know if there is a sexier act- actor. She's not like a beautiful woman, but no, her pers- yes. but her person, her perso- personality, and her acting is so is so um, vivid, you know, and so sexy, and yeah. so so like a magnetic mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of person. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like all those old movies they have those kind of those those parts or that character who's always kind of like talking to themselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being like geez you know like where <laughs> where did i see this person before and yeah, da, 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 like yeah. hmm, ha, yeah, yeah. like thinking to themselves and it reminds me very much of like the panto okay yeah where yeah. you're like they're behind you in like that way <laughs> sure. and just like you're so like yeah maybe they're there to echo your thoughts yes. like why are you recognizing this person you know and then here's the guy who's i it's where i'd seen this mm-hmm. woman before but i don't know where but yeah that's no, a good movie Oh, it's a fantastic film. I think it's also very, um, even though it's kind of silly, it is a very, like, emotional movie <laughs> and emotionally, like, realistic in that, like, yeah. if you were in that situation and you had been, like, done... You felt like you were hoodwinked. Like, you, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. you would also be, like, that reasonably upset. And, like, for that length of time where mm-hmm. you're not just going to be like, oh, I'm upset. And then they're like, oh, but I'm really sorry. Like, okay, I'll get over it. Like, you probably wouldn't get over it yeah. that quickly, at least. Yeah. Because most people are human and have, like the ability to hold a grudge for at least a little bit (laughs) yes yes all right what's your uh what's your your second next one that i have on the list is music and lyrics oh that's a good one Mm -hmm. i didn't think of that one yes that is a and that makes me think of another one with 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 him in it but you talk about yours and then i'll I'll mention mine music and lyrics do i talk about what it's about sure you can talk about that um I'm sure most people have seen music and lyrics. I don't know. I don't know. Because I feel uh, once like... Once again, it's not a very widely yeah, known it's film. it's not a super widely known. But it's Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant, so and great. Drew Barrymore, mm-hmm. who's also great. Yeah. Um, With music by the great Adam Schlesinger. Yes. From the Fountains of Wayne. So, like, am- amazing music. And Hugh Grant basically plays, like, a washed-up 80s pop singer who was in, yeah. like, a band that I think is kind of supposed to be, like... Wham? Wham. Yeah, that's what I think, too. That kind of... Tears for Fears, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Tears for Fears. Yeah, like a like, duo. Yeah, like uh, a elect- duo. Electro duo. Yeah, pop group yeah and his like other person in this pop group is like very successful now yeah and is like still continuing to do well and yeah. Hugh Grant is just sort of like you know like making jingles for things and yeah. being in like washed up 80s revival things revival things yeah. and Play- going to high school reunions <laughs> and playing at like Knott's Berry Farm and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah, like yeah, where they're yeah. just like he's working and mm-hmm. he's still like well off enough to have a housekeeper who sure. is Drew Barrymore, who comes in and she's a replacement, of, yeah, replacement housekeeper, kills yeah. all of his plants by watering <laughs> them too much. But he's, you know, he's not doing as well as he wishes he was doing. Yes. and he can see someone else doing yeah. better than him. Yeah, and I think he's like very kind of. He's a, kind of bitter, but he's sort of yeah. shut down too. He's kind yes. of he's kind of he's kind of written that off that al- aspect of his life is like yeah, he's over. Kind of a, yeah, resolved to just be like a, an eighties has been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no point. I tried. I put out a solo album. No one liked it. There's no point in trying again. Yeah. That part of my life is over. And then he's approached by Cora, Cora Corman or whatever her name is. Yes. Yeah. Like basically who's a Britney Spears yes. pop artist yeah. um, to write a song for him because... For her. Or yeah, for her because she listened to his music when she was going through her parents' divorce. Okay. And it like helped her mm. get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she wants him to write a song. And I think he, like, struggles a bit with it. For sure. And he's given this 
you know, this writer, or I think he's like a writer or a composer or something. Mm-hmm, yeah, a lyricist. In. A lyricist yeah, comes in to help him. To help dude. him. And he's just very, like, s- kind of strict and a little judgy and, and unpleasant also, to work with. And also very, uh, very rote. Like, he's, there's nothing, like, magical about what he's doing. It's just purely, like, the most mechanical, standard pop fare. There's nothing, like, there's nothing to spark spark your interest in what, what they're yeah. doing, right? Like, it's just, like... Yeah, anyone could write that. Like yeah, you're just then, like it's like he had like a a little like machine that like created yes, like, like lyrics. Just churns out things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and Drew Barrymore is there like cleaning the apartment, yeah. and she's sort of humming songs and then starts singing her own lyrics. Her own lyrics, and yeah. they're better. Yeah. And Hugh Grant is interested. He's like, "Well, you like yeah, you should help me." Mm-hmm. So then basically they pair up yeah. and work together, mm-hmm. and then she becomes. Like his friend, like they, she goes to him with to his appearances and things mm-hmm. like that. And she also introduces him to her sister and and things like that. So you get these sort of scenes of of uh, I can't remember the name of the actress who plays her sister. She was in uh, Third Rock from the Sun, but she's very good in the film as well. Yeah, she's very good. Yeah. Um, and then I guess kind of the low point is the third well, they, tip. Yeah, they like they make the song for Cora and she loves it. Oh, it's a good song it's too. It's a good song. And like Adam all, all of the music in it is good. Even like Cora's like Britney Spears like yeah, yeah, music is like it's kinda it's cool. good because you're like it's impressive that you could just like churn out these sort of songs that sound exactly like Yeah, yeah. A hit. But also his like his his um pop yes. There Goes My Heart song is yeah. also good and uh yeah, that's it's all the music in the movie is good. And then Drew Barrymore is a very charming actress. Mm-hmm. Like she is so good in, in sort this sort of thing. If she's given good material, she can be very good. I don't think she's always chosen the best material or always had it available yeah. to her. Like I'm thinking she's like a movie like Drew Home Barrymore's Fries and stuff like that. Just not that into oh is she? Yes. And oh, plays cool. a very small role in it. Yeah. She's but... also in that one where she like plays a journalist who invest goes into back into high school oh, to I hate investigate. Because <laughs> it's so too. weird. It's such a weird movie. You're like, yeah. why is it's not uh like Never been kissed. Yeah, I think whatever. that's yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah. movie's so weird. That's one that I don't like because I'm like that. It's creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. She's, a, she's allegedly a teenager. She's not. But... <laughs> she's not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's not an okay movie. But <laughs> no, this movie's great. And yeah, so like Cora loves the song and they're mm-hmm. all happy. And then it turns out that Cora wants to make it because it's like a very like nice musical. Yeah song that's just like it's a, just a really nice like duet beautiful piano song yeah. and then Cora wants to make it more poppy yeah 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 and it's terrible yeah, <laughs> yeah so her, her version she plays for them is a nightmare and i think drew barrymore doesn't like it yeah and wants but, hugh grant to stick up for them yeah he won't he won't because he just wants the money yeah yeah and he just sort of i think he also wants to be back at the point be he back wants, on top yeah, yeah he wants like, he to be, wants yeah. to be like yeah cora corman has like taken like my music and is now playing yeah. it even though it's not good yeah he's yeah. Like, willing to sacrifice that yeah yeah um for, for the for possibility the, yeah the possibility of fame <laughs> uh and so then they kind of yeah they have their falling out yes and it ends at the concert yeah where like she goes to cora yeah well, it's the Cora concert, yeah. yeah. But he's also playing at it. But he's playing there. But I think it's Cora who's the one who changes it, isn't it? No, he convinces her. Oh, he convinces her. Okay, yeah, okay. Because he like finally, and that's like the big thing. Mm-hmm. He, I think he goes on stage and he talks about how he yeah be- betrayed to Barrymore's character, mm-hmm. and then like sings a very <laughs> heartfelt heartfelt song that's very cute, and then they reunite, and then she sings the original song as they're like having their yeah, reuniting yeah, yeah. moment, and it's very oh, cute. It's so good, so it's good. Very good movie. It is very good, and they're pleasant characters mm-hmm. 
which I think is a... Pleasant and acerbic. Like, Hugh Grant's character has a little bit of a sharp, waspish tongue, because he's British. Yes. And so you have to have that, and that's okay. Yeah, because and he's, a, he's a pop artist, yeah. so of course he's not going to be the most pleasant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> but he's not, like, a total jerk. He has, yeah. like, he has like feelings, and he has recognized other people's feelings, so that that's good. The other film I was thinking about by him that I like a lot is one where he plays a screenwriter who has to go to some upstate New York yes. college. Isn't Marissa Tomei? Marissa Tomei is in it as yeah. a student who's in the class. Yeah. And that's another really good film where he kind of has to become less of a jerk and yeah. more of a nice person. Well, I think Hugh Grant a lot of the times in like the 90s was playing very kind of quiet reserved sort of you know stumbling over his words yeah. characters and i think hugh grant is actually a bit of a jerk <laughs> like i think he's and he's quite yeah, honest yeah. about the fact that yeah. he's a bit of a jerk like yeah. he's like not the nicest person mm. um and yeah. i think as so he, he got older he was given like the opportunity to now play characters that are, are a little bit more sure like the journalist and the gentleman and things yeah, like, that, like himself gonna, like yeah. The, the writers of oh, Paddington. Oh, Paddington 2, yes. Paddington 2, they said, oh, well, when we wrote this role, we, we thought of you as the person to play it. Yeah, yeah. Like, we kind of wrote it with you in mind. And he was like, well, what does that say about me? <laughs> to be this washed up actor yeah. who's very, like, self-absorbed. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. He, right. play, he commits to it so well, and he's so good in it. <laughs> yes. It's such a good movie. Oh, so good. It's, I think it's better than Paddington 1. I agree with you. I agree with you. The setup movie is never as good as the second movie. The real... The real test is, can you make the third one better? And that's mm-hmm. the hardest. That's the very hardest. I don't think too many have done it. I can, if I thought about thought about it for a while, I could probably think of a couple of third movies that are better, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. But they they flubbed the ending, though. They did flub the ending. The final film is not People good. People don't think that, though. I think that, though. They're wrong. People are wrong. Yes. That is a total flub. That final Deathly Hallows Part 2. <laughs> Deathly Hallows Part 1. Part 1, great. Great. Amazing, I love A+. it. A plus. People don't think that, though. People are wrong, though. <laughs> people really like the, the, first, the second like part? The second part more than the first part, mostly. Like, if you talk to people about it. Really? Like, that's what I've found, yeah. I don't know if it would have changed from when it first yeah, came yeah. out, but, like, when I, I was going around being like, eh, and everyone was like, it was better than the first part. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the first part was so... Oh. Well, we're not talking about Harry Potter right now, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, it just it blows it. It blows it in different ways. Yeah. But it blows it. Um, okay, um... Yeah. Yes, music and lyrics. I was going to say, I mentioned this in the show, and I, I had some pushback from a British person. But to me, I don't think British people do, can do romantic comedies as well as American people. I think it's, it's kind of like British science fiction. I think British people have a deep streak of melancholy in them. Hmm. And I think it comes out in their, in their art. Um, and so when you watch like a science fiction movie from England, it's almost always like really gloomy and always ends very badly for everyone. Okay. And I feel the same way about like their romantic comedies. Like, like you think of something like Love Actually, where so much of that is so really sour. You know, like actually, it's not a good movie. (laughs) But like, but even if you like the film, you still have to admit that like a lot of the storylines are really kind of sour and off-putting. Like they're not like happy stories. I think that if you're looking at romantic comedies as like a base level, like romantic comedy, yeah, uh, American people do it kind of much more solidly and yeah very like because they're they, un, they're unabashedly optimistic yeah and they're so very they, optimistic yeah. and it's very hollywood and yeah it's very polished and <laughs> yeah. it's very like very oh, routine very, and very fairy tale and very happy but yeah. if you look at like romantic comedies in england like notting hill yeah is a is a great romantic comedy that i think is very i mean it's not at all realistic because 
There's no way Hugh Grant could afford to live in Notting Hill, running <laughs> a travel bookstore. Please, that's so niche. But and he's not going to run into Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's fine. I mean, I'll accept those kind of reaches in a yes, romantic yeah, comedy. That's fine. But like the the betrayal that he feels, I think is, I think Notting Hill is a very American mm, British British comedy. Comedy. Okay. About time, however. Yes. Which is a great romantic comedy is a very british romantic comedy that yeah. is still great yeah and it's still i would say a like very funny movie mm-hmm. it's just much more sad than you would ever encounter <laughs> with an american movie because american sure. people i think are much less willing to accept like that sadness mm-hmm. as a reality yeah yeah like they're yeah. just like a love a total like escapism mm-hmm. movie whereas british people are like much more grounded in yeah. their filmmaking it's something something the uh um, Mark Maron, the the comedian, said one time on his show, he, he went to Scotland and he came, when he came back, he said, he said, uh, those are people who know they're going to die and they live their life like that. You know, like here in California, we think we're not going to die. Like we, everyone's eating really carefully. We're not, we're doing, we're not doing all these things because we want to live forever. You know, and so Scottish people aren't worried about that. They know they're going to die. Yeah. So they're going to have fun. They're gonna they're gonna overeat. They're gonna overdrink. They're gonna do whatever. And I guess that was his experience there, coming from California to, you know, with its very, you know, careful lifestyle of not having, you know, have, make sure you have your this, you gotta have your that, you have your antioxidants. You know, I always have my blueberries in the morning. You know, because they're full of antioxidants. You know, and that's a cancer curing and blah, 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 you know, all those kind of yeah. things like that kind of thinking. Yeah, I think, you know, I that, think England is definitely way more cynical, at, at least in the media that is able to escape England. Like, there is that, <laughs> That's true, that, probably. We don't see it the only way is Essex and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, we don't that, see that is, kind of trash yeah. British yeah, TV, yeah. which there, it, there definitely is yeah, in, like, yeah, yeah. in a lot of ways. But uh, you see, only see that sort of upper class, like obviously these people were rich and their families were rich and they went to their rich... <laughs> private schools they yeah. definitely didn't live on council estates and yeah, they're yeah, yeah. out here like churning out it's the most world's most cynical <laughs> like bitter bitter yeah, yeah. like stomping you down tv <laughs> they could possibly turn out like yeah. black mirrors black goes, mirror oh, I utopia can't watch, i can't watch black mirror utopia is so gr- so grim so to me grim. i can't <laughs> can't take it you're just like mm. <laughs> I guess I'm going to watch another episode. Gee, you sure do wonder if this character is going to be just as horrible as the last. Yeah, yeah. You're like, what if we lived in a world where everyone was awful? I don't want to watch that. We do. We practically do live in that world. It's kind of fun to not be in that world yeah, every exactly. once in a while. But I mean, like, yeah, I think British people do do romantic comedies well. I think yeah. it just depends what kind of romantic comedy you're looking for in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Which lends to our, our question of what is a romantic yeah, that's comedy true, on this I guess. list. I guess, I, think, I guess my thinking is like films like Four Weddings and a Funeral or Peter's Friends and stuff like that. I don't know, maybe Peter's Friends isn't a romantic comedy. But to me, they just, they, they always feel like so uncomfortable. And it's like, it's like you're wearing like a too small a jacket when you watch. Those films always feel like that to me. Like there's just something, I don't know, just make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, like I was just looking up like romantic British romantic, like Emma, I think. Yeah. It's a period piece, but period I think piece. it would technically qualify as a romantic direct, comedy. American because... director. The new one's an American director. Is it? Autumn Wilde is... <laughs> Yesterday. No. Which I didn't don't like. like it. Love Rosie is a good romantic comedy. Oh, I haven't seen that one. You've seen that one. I think I've made you see it. Oh, is that the one Lily where they, Collins they meet each other? Oh, and it... Sam Claflin. And I think it's Sam Claflin. And he... Um, it's their friends as kids. Mm-hmm. And then they're 
friends as teenagers. And she's like, it works in hotels or something. Yeah. She works in hotels, but yeah. like as a teenager, she gets pregnant oh. and he's supposed to be going off to school in the States to be a doctor. And she's yeah. supposed to go with him yeah. to like go to, uh, basically like hotel school and learn how to like, yeah. Be a hotelier. Be a hotel person. I yeah. don't know. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. cause her dad worked in hotels and that's what she wants to do. Yeah. Uh, she wants to run her own hotel, but he that's leaves. That's weird. Her dad's with a drummer. He, he leaves early. Yeah. And she doesn't tell him that she's pregnant mm. because she doesn't, she doesn't want him to like think of her like that. Cause she wants to have this baby. Yeah. Give it up for adoption mm. and then go join him nine yeah. months later and it's like. Sounded pretty British, dear. Yeah. And then pretend that nothing's <laughs> happened, but yeah. she has this baby and realizes she can't give it up. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, uh uh-uh, uh, like, yeah. I it's love mine. this baby. Yeah, this yeah. is my baby. Yeah. And so she continues being his like pen pal across the mm. sea. But and she never mentions never it? Never mentions the baby. <gasps> British films. And. And she, uh, then he comes and visits her yeah. and finds out that she has this baby. I don't know if I watched that movie. Oh, it's really great. It's a really great movie, but like. I think I saw you watching it. Yeah. So it, I know a little bit of it. It basically like follows them and it's just sort of like a right person, wrong time, mm. like through their entire yeah, yeah, until yeah, like they're yeah. like their thirties. Oh man. It's a, it's a really good movie though. I feel, I, the one I remember you making me watch was one where they meet once a year. Oh, yes, with... Uh, that is a very British movie. <laughs> uh, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway's in it, yeah, and I can't remember who else. And some other guy, but it's... Uh, so... I mean, it's very it's very human. Yeah, yeah. And in that, like... You made me watch that movie, though. So. It's a good... You yeah, must have liked it. It is a good movie. I like it a lot, <laughs> yeah. but it's very, like, crushing. Because it's just like... Oh, you know, it's one of those, like... I don't want to spoil. I mean, we didn't really mention spoiler. She dies in the end. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, okay, well, that's. I guess that's the movie. That's the movie done. Yeah, yeah. And then you're sort of like left with this guy, and he's mm. like, so it's not really a romantic comedy. Yeah, yet. but it's more it's of a yeah. tragic. Romantic. It's a, a, tra- a drama. It's a romantic dramedy. Dramedy. Dramedary? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one though. But Love Rosie is a very good. I'll have to. Uh, I seem. Uh, it does. It sounds like I seem to remember watching it, but mm-hmm. I don't remember all the plot points you're saying. So. Yes. I have to give it another you watch. Might have I just guess. wandered through while I was watching. Yeah, it. yeah. Sometimes I would sit down, mm-hmm. fall, I, I fall asleep after it. work while you're watching. I did TV. have it on on the list of like. Mm. I think it's on the list of runner ups, or I took it off. Okay, you mean, it was it was up higher. You shuffled you shuffled it around. Yeah, it ended up kind of getting. Yeah, it's it's right. It's at the like okay, in the runner ups, but. So are we at number three now? Yes, I, I think, think we're so. number three. So number three, I had put. How do you know? But I will take that out. Okay. Because. We already talked about it. Mm-hmm. And I do love that film. It made, it made somewhere on my list there. Yeah, which is impressive. And I wanted to, which is impressive that it was yeah. that high. Really, considering it's on your list with those movies. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think it's, it's mine, totally. You say mine's a little too more esoteric than yours? Yeah, I mean, I think yours is a little, like, just a different <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of different vibe. vibe. Yeah, sure. Mine's kind of all over the place. <laughs> so is mine, though. I was trying to pick from particular periods as well. Mm. Like, I was trying to, like, oh, what's like something from the 90s or the yeah. 90s in this? Um so I'm going to switch it up with one I've been talking about a lot, uh, but it fits right in where I am right now, like the reason I watched Kissing Jessica Stein, and that's Looking for Her, which is a Christmas lesbian rom-com. And I've talked about it in the show already, so I won't go too much into it. But um, And you watched some of it. You didn't get yeah. to see all of it. Yeah, I watched I watched it. Few, um, yeah. Christmas or before Christmas. Oh, did we watch it at the end? Yep, we watched oh, okay. it at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I stayed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would have been on the like, Boxing Day. Yeah, oh, I, think was, I think it was Christmas. Yeah, because I really wanted to show it to you guys, but I was so busy, you know. Because yeah, I'm always like, stuff. I'm always like making, I make breakfast and then mm-hmm. then getting the stuffing ready for the turkey and then getting the turkey in the oven and then 
And then by yeah. the time you get that done, then you got other things you're trying and to get. And then I have to have my midday nap every Christmas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the earliest waker up in the house. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, this is um, Looking for Her, it's called. Mm-hmm. So this is an independent film produced by um, some people. They have their own production company called Violet Waves Productions. And they make, they've made three films now. Mm-hmm. One is available on, on YouTube. It's called City of Trees. Another one's called Spring. I've not seen this one yet, so that is on my my list. I don't know where it's available. I haven't actually looked it up, to be honest with you. And then uh, Looking for Her, which I kind of wanted to include it for two reasons. One, because it's a lesbian rom-com, which has become more of a thing now, but also because it's an honest attempt to make a Lifetime or Hallmark-style movie. Mm-hmm. It uses like the same kind of musical cues that those movies yes. make, which I find really irritating. Well, I think it, it's maybe not like an attempt to make a Hallmark movie and more just like an indicator of the fact that Hallmark movies are produced very cheaply, yeah, okay. which this movie probably didn't have yeah, like, didn't a have very a high no, budget. No, so they're have. like, yeah, we can kind of do it that sort of stock, like, dum, 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 <laughs> kind of music yeah, where it's yeah. just like something silly is going to happen. <laughs> I know. I really don't like that kind of music. I yeah. find it very, very uh, intrusive. But uh, the first time I watched it, it didn't really intrude in my thoughts too much. Yeah, but you're more watching the plot. Yeah, the second when I watched it with you guys the second time, I was more like, oh, this music. And probably I was more self conscious watching it with you because I yes. want you to like it. Yeah. So the flaws that are there are now starting to come up a bit more. And to me, the story is perfect. Yeah, it's a great. The acting's story. great. Yeah. The um, the great comedy, great characters, mm-hmm. really. It's not. It's really well written. It doesn't. It's never obvious. All the, all the plot points are built into the story. There's never a moment where someone says, "Well, you know, this is Christmas, right?" Or something like that. You know, like yeah. it's it's Christmas because the it's woman like, works at a yeah. at some sort of like BuzzFeed site and they're doing a, a list of Christmas dating tips or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, I guess. Yeah. And then the other and woman they have, like, works Christmas in a Christmas gathering. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And the woman working in the coffee shop is wearing like a Santa hat as yeah. part of her uniform or whatever to be festive and you know and i've talked about how disappointed i was in a couple of other films that try and go into this uh obviously the happiest season being the chief um which is a very hard film to watch because it's so frustrating because you are you are rooting for a different romance in that movie you want aubrey plaza and Kristen stewart to get Mm -hmm. together those are the two characters that should be together at the end of that film and the fact that and it can't work that way because if they didn't do it that way, it would be a British rom-com. <laughs> it would well, be a rom-com that changes its storyline. That movie you watched last night? Is that when you watched it's it? Christine Jessica Stein? Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. But at Christmas. Yeah. Well, but that film... Because, like, it's the same idea of, like, they're just, like, not willing to be themselves and, like, sure, accept it. Sure, but they, But she does. It. She does. And then they are in a romance. And then they then they break up later on because she's she's not that into the sexual part of it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's weird. That's extra yeah. weird. Yeah, but. exactly. You're like, oh, this is dumb. Then they're weird. dumb. You blew this movie. Dumb, 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 dumbs. Hello, dumb, dumbs. Yeah, but why anyway. did you even bother? <laughs> Just don't make the movie. Yeah. <laughs> if you, yeah. If you're scared of if you're scared of your content, don't make the movie. Yeah. And uh, and I feel like Happy Season it it's a little too mean. It's a little too mean, and it's really a thoughtless film. Like, it has no thought at all for the feelings of, of Kristen Stewart's character and all the thoughts in the world for Mackenzie Davis's character. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you're, you, you, you as a viewer, you lose sympathy for that character. And you're not rooting for her yeah. to, like, get it come around and, and recognize, you know, what she's doing. You're basically like, screw her. 
you should be going on with Aubrey Plaza's character. This character yeah. is interested in you and will probably treat you better. I guess she lives in a town where you, you can't move to. So that's kind of a, a roadblock there. But it's, it's just a, it's a very strange thing. Whereas looking for her, it buys its con, it buys into its, its concept. Like it, and not only that, like, like one thing that Ian has said about romantic comedies, which I'm not entirely agree with him, but I think some, sometimes this is right, is that the characters are jerks. The characters of romantic comedies are always jerks, he says, because they're liars or they're, you know, for instance, I'm looking for her. They, the two girls are, are lying to, to the main character's parents in that they have a, rom- they have a romance when they don't. Yeah. And maybe that's a lie, but the film kind of diffuses that by, by having a scene where the mom says, oh, we knew she wasn't your girlfriend. Yeah. And the girl's like, well, why didn't you say something? And she goes, well, because you look so happy. Yeah. Well, and I, mean, and I don't like, want to do what I always do. So yeah, I get what Ian's saying that they're all jerks, but like romant, I think romantic comedies and like dramas, mm-hmm. you encounter that more yeah. because it's focused on the social aspect of life. Yeah. Whereas like action movies, things like that, yeah. they're not. They don't care. Yeah. Like, I'm it's, sure Tom Cruise's character is a jerk in Mission Impossible. <laughs> like I'm sure if you went home with Tom Cruise and yeah. he was, you know, with. It's Mr. Michelle Monaghan. Monaghan. Yeah. I'm sure that they don't have a great home life. He's, like, probably a pretty distant guy. Yeah. Like, he's busy. Yeah, he's a, like, he's a workaholic. You'd so. probably be like, oh, man, this guy kind of sucks. He's not a very nice, caring, thoughtful husband. Yeah, he's yeah. a bit of a jerk. And yeah. he's lying to her. <laughs> but we're not focused on that. Because yeah. he's, you know, scaling a building. Yeah, yeah. And so he's, like, he's saving the world. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, he's saving the world. But so like, there's an excuse for what he's doing. The whole kind of structure of a romantic comedy is that these, yeah. you're dealing with, like, a social issue yeah. with these two people that yeah. they now have to overcome. If you who didn't are have, sometimes broken in yeah, some way, you, you didn't know. have that aspect, then you probably wouldn't have yeah. much of a movie. Yeah, I mean, I think looking for her has a pretty big gimme in the sense that we're, you have to be willing to like go along with the idea that this woman so wants to like rub it in her parents' faces that she's gay, that she has this re- successful relationship, that when she doesn't have a successful relationship, she's willing to like hire someone mm-hmm. to play that role for her so she can well, go there and do that. What you know? I, I, I don't think that for her, that's what it is. Okay. I think it's that, because like at the start they mentioned like, well, the last time you went, it didn't go very well. Yeah. Like she did not feel accepted. Yeah. When she came and out to her parents, they were, they both kind of shut her down. Yeah. And now they've invited her to Christmas, and yeah. it's the first time she's been not invited. Maybe not the first time she's been invited, but the first time she's considered going, like yeah. feeling comfortable but going. Just, but also invited her girlfriend. But they've invited her girlfriend, and now she's like, "Uh, well, like, you know, I want to be, I want to be accepted, and yeah. I want to look like I'm being successful in this thing that you judge me for." Yeah, yeah. And so I'm going to look successful. Yeah. And yeah. like. You know, I want you to know that I can succeed in this and yeah, that, like, this yeah. isn't, like, a bad choice for me. I guess that's it, yeah. Because if she came back for Christmas and after the acceptance, she goes, oh, where's Jen? Oh, we broke up. Yeah. Oh, um, well, maybe, you know, maybe a guy would be better yeah. for you. Like, maybe, you know, a relationship that was more long-term, like, with a man would be yeah. better. Or to just be like, oh, like... That's Those thoughts are in their head. Whoops, those thoughts are in their yeah, head rather like, than... I'm I'm coming back from not being here and I've, you know, I've come out to you and mm-hmm. you have basically, like shot me down as saying it's a bad life choice and yeah. now i show up here at the exact same point i was when i left yeah yeah and yeah. It, it does seem probably like it is a bad life choice it is a bad life choice because you've not been <laughs> successful in your like endeavors yeah yeah which like that's a bit would, of reading of it yeah which Thank i you. think would happen with could happen with a guy too but mm-hmm. as a you know person who's part of that community mm-hmm. like you are put on a much higher 
pedestal and you will be judged okay much more strongly for like yeah. failing yeah 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 because you know well that's right yeah exactly it was not normal yeah it's not normal so the winter's not working in a normal relationship <laughs> with a man eh? but obviously her family's not like that they were probably just yeah. funny how my dad came into the yeah. <laughs> they were uh they were uh yeah because her family is so pleasant and her family's so nice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I think, and a lot of the times when people come out to their families, it's not necessarily that they're not, they don't love them or they don't yeah. accept them. It's that they love them so much. They're worried that yeah, yeah. this might like impact them negatively. Mm-hmm. Cause I think, I think now you're going to encounter a lot less of that. Cause sure. it is a more common thing Yeah, and people are judged less for it now. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know. Yeah. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah. You're that, that just, you're signing like a social death. death yeah. Death like, and yeah. parents are like, probably like a lot of the time love their kids, but are like worried that this will negatively impact of their course. life. Yeah. So exactly right. when you came to me and said that you wanted to be a motorcycle stunt rider, I put my foot down I said, Nope. I said, no flames. So I'm okay with you being a motorcycle stunt rider. You can do the loop de loop, but not the circle of death. Yeah. Not the, you know, the, the flames. And then I, I decided to just give it up. And I <laughs> pursued my true dream of sitting in barrels and going down waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only I'd known that was the option. I might have been more more, more supportive of the motorcycle riding. Um, yeah, and so yeah, and the film. But what's really good about the film is is the performances. Mm-hmm. Like the acting is so good. Like from every single person in the film, it's so very natural. Yeah, like it feels so real and real. Like lived. Like they're just living the moment, um, which is pretty rare in independent films. Like often independent films, you know, you might have like one really good performer but everyone else is kind of weak soup they kind of like just kind of yes helping you know but they're not quite there but everyone in this film like her 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 friend her married friend in the office uh, Mm um taylor's married friend in the office the main character taylor taylor herself is really good in the film the writer director uh actress um whose name is escaping escaping me a man amanda something anyway doesn't matter Yes, I should know these things. I should write these things down, I guess. I should learn a lesson from this. Um, anyway, last name Swarns. Anyway, re- she's she's great in it. She's such a great natural actress. And their friend, her friend Kai, the kind of they they them that she lives with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what the character is sort of supposed to be, able to be identify as. Yes. It's not really spelled out. So, no, but, but it's I just think, there. Well, I it's think nice. I think it's also there to show that like taylor character is like you know she like, works in an office it's yeah. very like white and very sterile and yeah. she's very like people are married there they'll have their like you know yeah tick 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 kind yeah. of a person and then yeah. her this girl who she's hired the writer director of the movie is like <laughs> you know sleeping on a, a couch at her friend's house but she you know her friend is i think like part of the LGBTQ community yeah yeah and you can tell like that's how the, the character's obviously been written and she so she's very much already part of this mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. and like although she doesn't have her life together at all because she's sleeping you know she's she's here sleeping on her friend's couch like i think that's kind of her life is not all together but she is like established in this community and yeah yeah out in a way that i think the taylor's character is not, not. Yeah, like yeah. where she's out but i don't think she's really part of the community in any way I agree. Sorry, I'm just trying to find the... What uh, the uh, actress's name is? Yeah. And it's not... For whatever reason, it's not even in this list on IMDb or on Google. Weird. There's, there's no... I knew that she didn't have a, a portrait picture for herself, but it seems it seems weird. Like, you know, if you've done all this work... Alexa, oh, sorry, Alexandra Swarns. There we go. Alexandra Swarns. Uh, yeah. 
well worth well worth looking her up for her other projects. But unlike Happiest Season, where yeah, like I've said, it's a very frustrating film. This film, you finish it, you're like, oh, this is how it should be. Mm-hmm. These two people have found found you know, and you see them falling in love when they drive to the parents' place. You yes. see them connecting with each other, talking. Yeah, and connecting and through their stay there. Yeah, yeah, and it's all it's all very pleasant. And like I think, well, I also think that the the lie in this movie mm. is much more forgivable because it's kind of a consensual lie. Yeah, that's true. That but, they, I mean, the parents are not in no, on it. But, but like but for, the, the, but, for the couple, like yeah. that's their problem. Like the parents have no issue with it because they know. Yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah. For the couple, it's they've both decided like, yeah, yeah we're going to commit to this and lie. Mm-hmm. But in Happiest Season, Kristen Stewart's just sort of like, I guess, like... <laughs> yeah, she, yeah she's, she doesn't want to be part of the lie. She, yeah, she assumes just, that she's yeah. going to be introduced as, as the girlfriend. She's just sort of blindsided, and she's like, well, that's... it's you're, She's just like, well, this is really shitty. But, yeah, like, yeah. at no point is any character in The happy Not The Happiest Season... No, looking for her. Looking for her. Yeah. Like, ouch. Except for <laughs> maybe at the one point where they kind of do connect. Mm. And then she's comes downstairs and is still calling her by the fake name. Yeah. But and she leaves. Yeah, and she leaves then, because I mean they had they had discussed that the Taylor character talks with with her and says I I I don't want to be living a lie, like I don't want my I don't want to be lying to my parents anymore. But basically, her answer for that is to send her away, not to mm-hmm. not to admit that she was lying. She just yeah. doesn't want to. She doesn't want to you know lose this um, you know lose this imaginary situation. And so yeah, so then the the actress who was hired for this role, she just you know they actually do. You know, they have like sex that night. Mm-hmm. Like they come together and express their love for each other. But then she just leaves because yeah. she realizes, well, I'm just keep keeping you in the same bad situation. Yeah. So, and then there's uh, the third act dip where they can't connect with each other for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they kind of get over it, and it's just like a misunderstanding. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, highly recommend it. Anyway, I know I've recommended it before, but I'll recommend it again. Yeah. Eve, what's your third film? Uh, it is When Harry Met Sally. Oh wow. How old-fashioned of you, that old movie. That old, ancient. <laughs> film. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a, a good, good, that's a good choice. It's a great movie. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting film because it's, it's a romantic comedy, but it's more like a friendship comedy yeah. for most of the film. It's very, 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 very slow burn. <laughs> I mean, you know where it's going, obviously, because yeah, you know yeah. what you're signing up for. But yeah, yeah. I think it's just sort of... It's Nora Ephron's best romantic comedy. I'm not really a huge she, fan of Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless and I, in Seattle, I feel like, is very shallow, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's a little, it's just sort of weird. I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, why is she so connected to this guy? Yeah, yeah. That he's, she's just heard. But she's just like any other woman, she's connected to this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, just weird. And yeah, then and you've got mail. You've got mail I do not enjoy either. Yeah. That one's, I and that one's odd just because it's like, I guess we just have to be okay with like the death of this you bookstore, know, bookstore. <laughs> which i mean is very you know it, it'll happen it'll ha- i mean and i guess it's good that i mean you know if you're talking about a movie of change like yeah. how do you know i guess that's a big part of that movie is mm-hmm. change accepting change and accepting yeah you know that things have to move on she does leave her boyfriend or whatever yes which uh, can i just say i do love that scene in that movie have you do you have you seen i've seen the movie of course. um i don't remember the scene though oh yeah well it's just like they're because, like, she's been cheating on him, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. And emotionally cheating. Emotionally cheating. Yeah. And um, so she's like, okay, I've, like, obviously got to break up with this guy. So um, 
she they like sit down for dinner and yeah. she's just sort of like or I think he's the one who brings it up actually. He's like, you know, like you're a really great person and she's like, I think you're a really great person too And he's like, Oh like don't like don't make this like worse and he's like I you know, like they end up being like we need to break up. Yeah. And she's like, You don't love me? And he's like and she's like I don't love you either. And they're both just sort of like in agreement. They're like, no wonder this hasn't been working. It's a great Kinnear like, who plays the boy. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. they're both like, you're a great person. Like, I like you a lot. And they're like, why doesn't this work? Like, this should work. Like, yeah. He's yeah. a journalist and mm-hmm. she owns a bookstore and mm-hmm. they're both like very aligned. Yeah. They're like, but it just doesn't like, Yeah. I don't like you like that. Because he starts going with like the conservative yeah, he starts commentator. Going with a conservative <laughs> commentator. And she's like, she's like, no. And he's like, what can I what can I say? Like, I'm just like, I'm a sucker. But like, obviously his relationship is like mirroring hers in that yeah. like, she's a small Books- business owner yeah, yeah. and who's now fallen in love with this mega yeah. bookstore man. Yeah. 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 So like, they're very like, cause mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's a political opinionated journalist. Yeah. 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 Who's now who uses fought, a like, typewriter. Who, yeah. Who uses a typewriter <laughs> and is insistent upon it and who goes on big rants about it. And is very like anti change. So really, he's kind of conservative in his own way. So yes. maybe that's where that fits yeah, there. But and there must be a connection between Tom Hanks and maybe we're talking ourselves into liking this movie more than we do. I do like it. Oh, okay, I, it, maybe was, it was on my list. Okay, oh, I, wow. I do, but I do struggle with it because mm. I'm like, oh, like it, it's a movie. I think like that. Yeah, it shouldn't work, mm-hmm. but it does. Yeah, yeah. Just because you're like these, and I think that maybe is an us problem. More than a mo- the movie's problem, because yeah. we are very, you know, we're like small business, anti-change people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't like change. Yeah, no. And we like small businesses, <laughs> and we like to see, like, you know, these things being successful, and this yeah. movie is just showing that, like, that this is just how the world is. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. these kind of things are not sustainable. And, like, you can't attach um, memories and meaning Emotional to, to, value the, to, to the place you've just, yeah, you know, to, yeah. that's not where it it's lies. It's just a building. Yeah. Because, like, that's also the part of it is that it was her mom's store. Yeah, that yeah. she's, like, inherited and mm-hmm. is now, like, very invested in The running. caretaker of, and, and maybe that's not who she is anyway. Yeah. Maybe she's just trying to... Because what does she do after... I can't remember now. Sorry. After it closes. She ends up doing something and she does, I think, right? Like, she does a good job. At, I think she ends sure. up doing something. I don't remember now. And, like, the people in her bookstore, you know, they, like, they move mm-hmm. on and life continues perfectly uh, who's the Who's the Mina actress in that film? The mean, the mean, the mean. Oh, Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Underrated actress, I think. Meg Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was big in the, you know, she was in Sleepless she, in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, she. That's, when Harry met Sally. She kind of got, yeah, kind of got typecast into that. But she's great in Joe versus the Volcano, where she plays like three different roles in the movie. Oh. Kinda, is that is that an older movie? Nope. It's oh, uh, came yeah. out. It's by the guy who did Moonstruck. Oh. Which is another good romantic comedy. Hmm. Actually, if you've never seen it, you would like it. I've never seen it. You would like it. Hmm. I recommend she's it. She's also great in Anastasia. <laughs> animated, animated film, film? <laughs> which was not a which was not a successful movie oddly enough because it's great it's great yeah it's, it's great, a great film. and it's a great romantic movie it is actually very like yeah it's a like very a... reasonable betrayal of trust in that movie <laughs> but yeah i mean her problem was is that she got plastic surgery oh okay and everyone got mad at her for it okay and that can happen yeah and never really recovered. She got plastic surgery and also the unforgivable thing. She got older. Yes. That's the worst thing you can do yeah, as an actress. You can't do that. In Hollywood. But you can do that. You can, but you have to take, you have to take it that you're going to be gone for 10 years, 10, yes. 15 years. And then you, then you'll come back again as, as, an, as an older woman. A grand dame of yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. You can be witches. 
When Harry Met Sally is interesting because it has the Kerry Fisher, Bruno Kirby relationship. Yes. And that's a really fun relationship yeah. in the film. The way there is kind of, is the is the mirror image of what's happening with mm-hmm. Harry and Sally, where they're like all in love and they kind of follow, follow out, right? Yeah, as the film goes so. on. Um, man, that's funny because I saw the movie in the theater and it wasn't like the kind of movie I would go see. Yeah. But it was a Rob Reiner film who did Spinal Tap. Okay. You know, so you felt some sort of like moral obligation to support him, I guess. And mm-hmm. so I didn't go to see it in theater. And I really enjoyed it a lot. Like, it's a very, very, very well-made movie. So well-paced. I love the I love the interactions. I love when they like meet in college and yeah, Billy Crystal's like, like this brash jerk. Yeah, and she just is very like... Prissy. Prissy. Yeah, yeah. Hates yeah. his guts. <laughs> and is like, I... I am totally okay never seeing this man again. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Smell yeah. you later, loser. <laughs> and then just continues to, like, run into him. Yeah, and over time. Yeah, and they grow up. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they, like, mature and are able to, you know, yeah. not be jerks. <laughs> Get over themselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a very good film. Mm-hmm. It has a classic deli scene. Mm-hmm. I'll have what she's having. Yeah. It's a very good movie. It is great. And it's, it's like, a, it's a beautiful movie, too. How do you mean? Just like it's just shot, how it's shot, shot and everything. How it's shot and yeah, I guess that's true. The setting is it's a great New York yeah. movie. Yes, it has beautiful sets and like the apartments are great yeah. and and the stores they go to are Their great. Their outfits are great. Their outfits are nice. Well, they have that all those. I don't know if they're. I mean, I'm kind of it over those great. outfits. It's just, but it's, it, for it's what so it is, like of its time. Yeah. Because you know what movies carry on that look are the Nancy Myers films. Yes. Like they're not colorful, but no. all their coats and stuff like that look like they're from like well, a, a late '80s I movie. I think Nancy Myers is very like coastal grandma mm, okay aesthetic she's long island grandma yeah she's just that <laughs> montauk very like clean yeah i love her movies i think they're very nice looking mm-hmm. they're great movies too i don't think i have an nancy i don't i don't know list. if i'm like in love with her movies yeah it's complicated mm. it's not really a romantic comedy i do love the holiday i, I love the holiday that's just that's her daughter isn't it no, I don't think Oh, is that so. Nancy Myers? I think it's Nancy Myers. Which one did her daughter do? Because she did Home Again. Oh, Home Again. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's Nancy Myers. I do like The Holiday a lot, yeah. but you didn't put it on your list. I didn't put it on my list. I thought it would be on your list. That's really? what I was guessing it would be on your list. Oh, that's funny. No, it's not. But I would agree with you, because yeah. I think that Kate Winslet's character gets kind of gypped. Yeah, well, and but again, I think that as a guy, you think that. Okay. But guys have a different idea I think of what yeah. people find attractive than girls do. Yeah, yeah. Because girls, I don't think, you know, are looking for... I mean, everyone loves a Jude Law. <laughs> of course everyone loves a Jude Law. Especially a young Jude Law. Yeah. But, like, everyone also loves Jack Black. Okay. Because he's nice. Because he's nice. And yeah. he's, like... Got a great personality. A great personality. And in that movie, he's, like, a fantastic yeah. person. And he's attractive because Super he's, supportive. like... A, just a, an amazing person yeah yeah and yeah. what she has not encountered no up well, until this she's moment. with a cheating boyfriend who's a jerk yeah who just is like a controlling yeah, he's just like negging a loser nasty little rap man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah whereas jack but i mean i could see that i mean yeah. i guess in that sense yes she definitely comes up comes out ahead i think and like but yes that you can see that in in cameron how, diaz gets jude law that's that, mm. <laughs> who doesn't love jude law have you ever seen that graph of what age men find attractive versus women no i haven't there was like a study that came out of like what you know like what age women are and what age they find attractive okay and it's sort of like it starts when people are i think like 20s and okay. you know most 20 year old women like guy, find guys who are a few years like a couple years older than okay them more attractive and as it goes on it's sort of like even of like yeah just like but guys constantly goes down guys constantly stays in about like 23 years old 
Really? Yes. How odd. Yes. So, like, but, like, you know, guys who are, like, 20 find, like, 20-year-old girls attractive. And then by the yeah, time yeah. they get to, like, about 23, it stays in the, like, 23, 24, 25, like, consistently girls in their 20s range. Wow, that's so sad. It is. Which is sort of, like, I think telling of, like, maybe, like, what guys are looking for. Well, I was thinking about that when, because, you know, I was at my junior high reunion, a little, or not reunion, open house a little while ago. And, uh, you know, there's, great, like, grade 12 or, like, kids there yeah you know who are doing a volunteer stuff for it to run the run all the behind the scenes and what can i say when you're in grade 12 yeah you feel like you're so old <laughs> not like you're old but you're like yeah, yeah i'm so like mature. I'm, I'm big yeah, you see grade yeah. 12 now you're like oh my god look at the kid <laughs> but even you feel that way okay that's funny because like i mean because i was thinking like okay when i was in my t- early 20s or whatever i would be on the bus and i would go past like St. Mary's school or whatever, and there'd be yeah. all the schoolgirls with their plaid skirts and their yeah. woolen stockings, and I'd be like, oh boy, yeah. they are, holy cow. Uh, but yeah, seeing these grade 12 girls, I'm just like, these are kids. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel that way about, about people in their early 20s, though, yeah. too. Like, they're just children. Like, I'm not children, but they're just so young. Like, yeah, just these fresh faced you know, adults, you know. I think they are kids. I don't want to call them kids because I, I, I think that I do love that line from um, Mur- Only Murders in the Building where. Uh, Martin Short or Steve Martin, you know, is trying to be overprotective of Selena Gomez, saying oh, you're, you're too young for that. You know, mm-hmm. she's like, you're only saying that because you're old. Yeah. Like I don't feel like I'm too young to be making decisions for myself. Yeah. You know. So, and I think, I think that kind of condescension of like, you know, feeling like, oh, she's only 23. She's just a kid. They can't make this decisions yeah. for themselves. What 23 year old wants to hear someone telling them that? Like, how? Yeah. How condescending. Yeah, we're, we're, a kid, <laughs> we're not kids, but like, your your brain doesn't like fully develop until you're like. No, in your mid twenties, right? Yeah, like, so. but I mean, you still have a brain. Yes, like you can still definitely. make you can still make decisions. It's not fully developed, but it's not like you're an idiot. Yeah. Um, I just I don't know, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, as a you know, speaking as a parent, you can only like influence. You cannot order, you know, mm-hmm. and so you know, like it's it's not it's not a it's just you just can't you know you just can't look at it that way. I think I I, I like how she said that. Well, anyway, number four, number mm-hmm. four, me. Okay, this is going to be kind of controversial. Okay. People are not going to like this. Okay. But I, I chose Woody Allen's Manhattan. I hate it. Just kidding. Really <laughs> You've never seen it. It's a, I mean, there's controversy about it now because in the film, he's like a 40-year-old guy who's going out with a girl who's in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is kind of icky. And it's kind of icky. But in the context of the film, her character is is the innocent character who is viewing all these people who are neurotically destroying themselves. Okay. You know, and so you need someone like her. You need this kind of outsider who isn't part of this world yet. Maybe one day she will be. You know, she'll go to, she'll go to, she's going to go to dance school in England. You know, maybe she'll go to dance school in England and she's going to learn the hard facts of life, that life is pretty disappointing at times and it's going to harden her. She's going to get in some neuroses. She's going to sort of worry about how she looks and, and all this kind of stuff that drives all our unhappiness. But in the movie, She's this kind of happy girl who's mm-hmm. in this relationship with this person that she admires. And, and it's a serious relationship. Uh, you know, and I'm just saying, like, you know, how young those women are. And yes, it is very, you know, obviously played by an actress who is not this age. So yeah. it isn't quite as, so it kind of gives you that little, little bit of like slight refraction of like, right, it's not totally what it is, but it is what it is. But um, I really, you know, in the film, Woody Allen plays. Um, He's a comedy writer. He writes for like a, a Sunday Night Live style show. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie. And he's friends with other kind of New York intellectual kind of people who are very neurotic and 
and very unhappy in their lives. You know, his friend Yale, who is is seems happy, he's married, he has a wonderful wife, and they seem to have a great relationship. But it turns out he's cheating on her with mm. with Diane Keaton's character in the film, who's this very, very um, also neurotic, very kind of sharp tongue person who has a lot of opinions of things and and very nervous. And so then um, Woody Allen's character, he decides he's going to quit doing the show because he's unhappy doing it. It doesn't feel like it. It just feels like it's a cheap thing that he's doing that it's meaningless. And so he quits doing the show. He has to give up his great apartment and move into something that has brown water pouring out of the sink. Mm. And uh, and Tracy, his girlfriend, come, his young girlfriend comes with him. And then somehow he and Diane Keaton's character kind of come together because he's acting as the stand-in for his friend Yale and kind of acting as her escort. So if, you know, so that the wife isn't clued in on who this woman is, thinks that it's, it's Isaac, uh, Woody Allen's character's um, girlfriend, but he falls in love with her. And so he dumps Tracy mm-hmm. who's heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken about yeah. it. It's a really affecting scene. And he starts going out with, with Diane Keaton's character because she is more his, equal in his eyes like he yeah. he's always clear to tracy that he feels like he's too old for her mm-hmm. that this is not a healthy relationship that this should just be a fling for her yeah and that she shouldn't be serious about it and when he dumps her he's this is a totally his attitude like this is not never meant to be serious i told you many times you know yeah. but to her it was serious like she had invested herself in this so she's very heartbroken and so he starts going with diane keaton's character and there's a great falling in love sequence done at central at uh, central park at the planetarium where they're talking to each other and these Total silhouettes, silhouettes against all these kind of like planet, planetary star fields and stuff like that, where they're just talking to each other and asking each other these questions. And it's a very, very great, very great scene. And also has the classic scene of, of them with the park bench by the Brooklyn Bridge, where there was no park bench. They just, they put it there for the film and made this iconic thing that then they did put a park bench there because it's so iconic. Yeah. Why don't we have a park bench there? Um, and so, um, but through the film, he realizes like that he, misses the purity of this person mm-hmm. this person who's just love and isn't all bound up in in ambition and and ne- neurotic worry and and you know and all the rest of it all this striving and uh and in the movie he because she's going away to dance school he has to he has a kind of time limit thing he runs to be with her and he talks to her and once again this is the movie that doesn't end with them getting back together yeah it ends with the possibility yeah and it's just a and I just really like that ending of the film. I, you know, I could have chosen Annie Hall, which is more of an adult-to-adult relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, but I really like the story, the purity of Tracy in, in this world and stuff like that. I really, I really like that kind of um, contrast I in the film. That that mirrors a movie that you also really like. I also really like. Okay. Which is Scott Pilgrim. Okay. In that Scott is he's in his twenties. Yeah. So it's maybe a little bit more okay. Mm-hmm. But Knives is. A high school, high schooler, yeah. And yeah. everyone's, you know, just like you're going out with a high schooler, yeah, yeah. making fun of them, yeah, for yeah. going out with a high school, and everyone knows it's not okay because they're not it's, equals, yeah, in yeah. any way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. knives is very like blown out of the water that this, you know, this twenty year old yeah. Scott, who's the best, yeah, Scott's the best, <laughs> yeah. Even though Scott's not, Scott's a jerk. She's a jerk, and Scott's a loser <laughs> yeah, who yeah. you know sleeps in his friend's bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because he's like not got his life together. He's in going any nowhere. Way. He's going nowhere. And but you know, Knives is like Scott's the best mm-hmm. and he's the greatest. Yeah. Um, and Scott meets Ramona, mm-hmm. who is you know much too good for him, but much more you know <laughs> his equal. Yeah. In, in terms, that, you know, in terms of so uh, age and equal. yeah, social equal. Yeah. And so Scott dumps Knives, mm-hmm. and Knives is obviously heartbroken by it. Of course, because young love and first yes. love, you know. 
And then I think Scott also, you know, realizes that, like, he can't be with... I think in the in the books, does he not get with... He goes back. He and Chives... Oh, sorry, Chives. Knives Chow end up together at the end of the books. In the end of the books. In the movies, they don't. Though. They don't, know. And he doesn't end up with Ramona. He kind of goes off with Ramona, but I don't know how, if it's yeah. much promise is given to yeah. it. Yeah, I like it better in the movies that he doesn't end up with, with Knives. I'm a, I have two minds about it. Um, well, I'd have to reread it again. I think that... I, ha- I had thoughts I, about it a while ago, and now I can't remember what they were, I so get, I don't want to try and defend like, it. I get them getting back together because, you know, it's like... That's what Knives wants. Yeah. But that's not yeah. what's good for Knives. <laughs> or Scott, probably. Yeah. And, like, Scott can very easily just continue to... Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's that he's emotionally not where he should be. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's not good for Knives to with Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure Knives will end up doing much better things than mm-hmm. than Scott will. Yeah. But that's just... that I've never seen this... you never read the books? You've read the books? I've read the books. Oh, okay. I read okay. all of the books going to the washroom, actually. <laughs> <laughs> very slowly. Yes, that's so how we all read them. Yeah. I think because they're always they're always, they're sitting always by, the by the toilet. So, TMI, but and then someone else would would always replace it with the next volume yeah. to be like, oh, good, it's, uh, the next one's here. It's updated. <laughs> the Scott Pilgrim Library. I never read it anywhere else. I know. Um, I think they they sat in the be- the bathroom upstairs for like yeah, ever, ever and ever. But um, no, I've never seen like that Woody Woody Allen movie but that's just it, what it reminds it's me it's also of. very funny it's also a very funny film yeah, which I'm is sure. you know what's like, my you know I really am a huge Woody Allen fan and I yeah. and I'll be honest I don't believe like this the horrible stories that are told about him I think that I think it's just a case of of um uh recovered memory where you've just had memories inserted into your into your you know into your brain so you have false memories that mm-hmm. kind of appear because someone tells you the same story so often that you're kind of like oh yeah that's what happened I think if you think of your of your life, you you almost everyone has false memories of something that they think happened, and then they find out later on, oh no, that that wasn't the case. That was a you know that didn't or you have some like misunderstanding of how the things happened or whatever in your memories. And uh, yeah, I think it's just you know a young and a six year old girl who was told by her mom over and over again that the, her father was terrible and he did these terrible things to her, and uh, it. Uh, I don't know anything about Woody Allen, really. I don't really occupy my brain with Woody Allen. What's the thing? You know, to me, it's almost like the same with the Beatles. I didn't push the Beatles on you guys when you were young. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, obviously I'm a big Woody Allen fan, but I was always like, for the most part, I was always like, well, they'll discover these things yeah. or they won't. Yeah. Either way. The, the, well, the one we watched, I think it was Woody Allen, where he like, like ends up in the huge Oh, Sleeper. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's a favorite film of your mom, so I think she yeah. wanted you guys to see yeah. it. Yeah. But that's the silly Woody Allen, which is also kind of a romantic comedy as well. I mean, all his early, all his, most of his films are romantic comedies, really. But yeah, that's like the early ones. Yeah. Yeah. Just reminds me a bit of Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah, that's no, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what is your mm. fourth movie? My fourth movie. Uh, okay, and this one, I was like, I don't know if this counts as a romantic comedy, but I added it to the list because it is romantic and it is comedic. Okay. So that I think that was. Let me be the judge of it. For me, it's what's up, Doc. Damn it, that's my fifth. Ha! I beat you. <laughs> Shoot. Oh, okay. Well, I love that. I love What's Up, Doc. Yeah. I mean, What's Up, Doc is the scene of her and Ryan O'Neill at the piano is yes. equivalent to Barbara Stanwyck, Henry Fonda in the stateroom mm-hmm. sequence where it is so, yes. like, obviously, like, hot, passionate love going on here that's not quite able to come together because the one character is too, too repressed. Mm-hmm. In both cases, like Henry Fonda and Brian O'Neill are both these kind of repress, repressed academic types. Yeah. 
who don't know themselves. Uh, and it's just, that's the, one of the hottest scenes ever. Mm-hmm. Like, and nothing happens. There's no kiss. There's no, yeah. it's just her singing um, the song from Casablanca, I think. A kiss is just a kiss. Da, da, da. Yeah. 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 Whatever that song. <laughs> I think I should know what that song's called, but I don't. Um, yeah, it's just a great movie, though. It's oh, it's funny. so good because and all the characters are great in it. All the actors are great yeah. in it. All the characters are great. In it. Madeline Kahn is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I can't think of all the people who are in it, but yeah, and like the plot, the plot line's so unhinged <laughs> that yeah, like so yeah, it's basically it's basically a mistaken identity film, but the mistaken identity is over a piece of luggage. So in the film, Ryan O'Neill plays a mu- a musicologist, a professor of music, who is coming to San Francisco to be considered for a grant for his study into uh, caveman rocks, basically. Yeah. The use of rocks in early music, the idea of having tuned rocks is basically what he's there for. And his rocks are in a plaid handbag. There's also a subplot of a some uh, uh, classified documents mm-hmm. that have been stolen from the U.S. government and are being exchanged in a plaid handbag. And there's a further subplot of a woman who has a her diamond collection, her diamond jewelry collection in a plaid handbag. And so yeah. all these bags are, are floating around. And so this is the sort of the, the MacGuffin of the movie, the sort of driving, not super important to what's actually important to the film, which is a hot Barbara Streisand and a hot Ryan O'Neill getting it on. Yeah. That's what's really important in this movie. But what, you know, these are the kind of the motives of, what, of what's kind of pushing everyone forward and what's happening in the film. And also the fact that, because what's because. I didn't put it. I I didn't put it in my list. Uh, and maybe I'll mention it now because it's a film I love. But I kind of got off a little bit just because I've watched it way too many times. Which is Bringing Up Baby with mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn and Cary yes. Grant. What's Up Doc is really like a variation of that film where you have a professor um, in B- Bringing Up Baby. Cary Grant is a paleontologist. He's putting together his skeleton of a brontosaurus. Okay. And then in What's Up Doc. Ryan O'Neill's character is a musicologist who's coming to get this, apply for this grant. He's here to get picked for this grant. And in both cases, they're spotted by a woman who falls crazily in love with them and will do anything, anything, underline anything and put it in italics, anything at all, and quotation marks. And also in bold, slightly bigger heading type print, will do anything to keep that person, to have them. And so in What's Up Doc, Barbara Streisand's whole thing is to like foil Ryan O'Neill's character from getting, like, meeting up with, having any sort of interaction with his fiance, played by Madeline Kahn, mm-hmm. who is oh so great in the film in that yeah, role. She's great. She's very unpleasant. <laughs> she's so unpleasant. But, but forced to be unpleasant by the situation as well, though. Like, mm-hmm. it's not entirely her fault that she's unpleasant because she's put into all these really awkward situations yes. where, like, she comes to the table and Ryan O'Neill is hiding underneath it with this woman that she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And. The other thing the movie does great, which very rarely happens, I can only think of a few movies, movie directors who are able to like overcome the chase, like have a big giant oh, like, thing happen in yeah. the movie. W. C. Fields does it in the bank dick, and you can't take it. Uh, you can't cheat it. Or sorry, every doesn't um, never give a second even break. Yeah, never give a second even break, and the bank dick both have fabulous car chases that are entertaining all the way through don't make you lose interest in the movie and then also are topped at the end of the film. Yeah. Um, What's Up Doc does that as well. And also Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yes. I'll have like big kind of chase sequences that 
recover it with a scene after that doesn't deflate because often that can be deflating it's so big mm-hmm. it can goes and on and on chase too in in bringing up in the what's, in what's up Doc? oh yeah it's fabulous there's so many like little bits to it and changes you know they're in a car they're in a bicycle they're in a volkswagen they're you know there's it just goes all kinds of different ways and and you never get tired of it and then it has like the kind of the court sequence after that that kind of and then it has the very ending of the film which is where they meet on the plane uh, and then they're together and you're like, ah, oh, they will love mm-hmm. each other forever. Yes. This is a for sure forever relationship. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes it so great. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic film. It's, it's almost sad that, I mean, Peter Bogdanovich, who directed the film also did Nickelodeon, which I think is a similar kind of film in some ways, but it's not a screwball comedy. Like that is like, a revival of the screwball comedy that does it so well mm-hmm. that it almost could be from that time period. Yeah. Besides the more modern touches in it. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's good all the way through. Sorrel, Sorrel Brooks, who later played boss hog on the Dukes of Hazard, It's really good in it. That scene where he's like trying to stop the, the woman from getting to the room and he's like basically manhandling yeah. on the hallway, <laughs> wrestling with her yeah. some way to stop her. You're like, Oh, it's, that's great. And uh, the scene when um, Ryan O'Neill with the, uh, the TV lights on fire and yeah. all in his, his room and, and Madeline Kahn is, oh yeah, it's endlessly good. I can't remember, what is her name? Eunice? Eunice. Yeah. Yes. Too good. Okay, we'll have to, I have to switch out. I got to switch out mine. Your thing? Later on. <laughs> later on. But my, so yeah, my, my fifth movie was, movie? was What's Up Doc. Oh yeah. But I'm going to change it to, hmm, I'm going to change it to, I have a couple here on my list. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of which ones I want to change it to. I guess I'll change it to. It happened one night, the okay. Clark Gable Col- yeah. Claudette Colbert film, which is based, kind of almost the ur romantic comedy, yeah. like the original kind yeah. of idea of they don't like each other, mm-hmm. they fall in love. There's a third act dip because mm-hmm. you know uh, she discovers he's a jur- he's a journalist, yeah. and so th- she thinks that he's only doing this for the story, and so then she goes back and she's going to get married, and then there's the happy ending that she doesn't marry the jerk and she marries Clark Gable, who's great, and. Uh, directed by Frank Frank Capra, some great class. You've seen it, right? Yes, I'm pretty I have. sure. Yes, pretty I sure have. you have. It's got the classic hitchhiking scene in the movie where he's yeah, because like, really he's kind of a bossy you know it yeah. all. He's like, I'll show you. He's throughout the movie. He's like, I, you know, this is how you do it. You know, that's not how you dunk a donut. That's not how you mm-hmm. do this. This is how you hitchhike, and he, you know, and he's tr- so trying, and no one's stopping. And then she just goes out and pulls up her stocking or pulls up her dress slightly to reveal her her oh so sexy knee, and causes almost causes a, a five car pile up. Yeah. Um, I will connect that movie to the holiday in that you think Jack Black is an unconvincing romantic yeah, yeah. interest for her. Yeah. I Clark. Yeah, he's Clark not. Gable, he's I a weird looking guy. Yeah, weirds me out. Yeah, he looks sometimes like greasy looking. <laughs> I but I mean, it was of its time, and yes. so that's at the time. Well, like, yeah. I never understood that. Like, I was yeah. like, yeah, Clark. <laughs> Clark Gable. No, thank you. <laughs> no, no, I can agree with that. But it's just in the in the yes. context of the film. That's uh, yeah, you know. She's, she's with Joel McRae in uh, the Palm Beach story. That's a way better matchup for, <laughs> for them. Or you know, like um, Gary Cooper, like in Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. You know, with the, with the great Gene Arthur. There's a few, but I, I'm gonna ch- take it. Have one. It's just because it's such a, it's such a seminal film in that in that in that style. I think. I mean, I could have gone with Easy Living, but I feel like I'm over Preston surging it then. Because I also love Remember the Night, which is the other film that has Barbara Stan- Stanwyck and Fred McMurray. Remember the Night? 
Which one's that? That's the one with um, where he's like a DA and he's prosecuting I Barbara Stanwyck's character. I know that's a great film. That is a really good one. Maybe I will switch out. Let's yeah. go. Remember the night. Yeah, remember the night's better. That's better. Yeah, yeah, that's a better film. I love that movie. It's great because it's it's a it. Yeah, it does also end the one on a cliffhanger. It does because you're like, oh, she's going to jail. She's going to jail. Yeah, but it's not forever. No. And I guess he'll wait for her. But he almost throws away his career. You know, it's just an interesting film because it's he starts off as this very brash, yeah. callous kind of a jerk. You know, and basically he traps her in prison for for Christmas, mm-hmm. for the Christmas holidays, because he doesn't. He's afraid the judge is going to let her off with a with a slap on the wrist for the shoplifting thing because it's Christmas. Yeah. So he says, "Let's hold it over, and then when we come back in January, she'll get a stiffer sentence." And then he feels sorry for her. He feels kind of sorry for her that she's in prison, so he he goes bail. Yeah, he does the bail. He tells someone, he tells some guy, you know, a, one of the a bail bondsmen there, or whatever. Like, I'll pay the bail for her, but this guy takes it the wrong way. He assumes that what this guy, what he what he means is, I'm going bail for her. I want you know, but I want like a reward of a particular nature. So this guy sends her to the sends her to his apartment when he's getting mm. ready to go on his trip, and of course she's really cynical because her whole life is. crappy that's why she's a shoplifter because she's her life has not gone as she hoped it would go and so just kind of like emily the criminal you know it's just like it's kind of life's misfortunes that have put her in this in this way that she's going maybe she has that in her already but anyway um so so you know she's there and he's like he's like well i you know she's kind of like well i'm here for whatever i'm supposed to do for you and he's like i didn't want that i didn't want you here i thought you just go out and live your life live your life uh, and she's like, well, you've dripped me out of a free meal because I would have got fed for free in, in jail. And he's like, oh. Also, so he takes her out for dinner to a club. Yeah. And they have, and they have a nice time there. And he's kind of liking her. And so then he, um, he suggests, well, since I'm, I'm going, you know, you live, they discover they live kind of close to each other in the same state. And he's like, well, I'm going to my mom's for Christmas. I'll drop you off at your mom's for Christmas, your mom and, you know, your parents' yeah. place for Christmas. And so then they go on this kind of long, this cross-country uh, car trip from New York to to Indiana, and it turns out that her mom is not happy to see her. That her yeah. life is where it is because her parents were awful people, and so Frederick Murray recognizes that, and he's just like, "Nope, this is not going to work. You're going to come with me. You're going to come to my house. You're going to come, to, and you're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to love." Yeah. And it is it is great. You know, yeah, it's just it's that kind of Christmas. rural ideal yeah. of, you know, written by someone who wasn't a rural person. Like Preston Sturges grew up in like the weirdest circumstances because his mom and dad did not live together. Oh. His dad was a banker who lived in America who entirely funded his profligate wife's lifestyle in, in Europe. Hmm. And she was there and she had Preston Sturges live with her, but she was like a mistress to many men there. Weird. Including the Satanist Aleister Crowley, of all people. And it's and that's how he grew up. He grew up in this very sophisticated world. Hmm. And so, yeah, him writing about a, a rural setting is kind of amusing to me. Because, yeah. you know, it would just be like the most dreamiest, unrealistic thing ever. But yeah. it, it works in a rom-com because you don't want reality. Yeah. You don't want people like, you know, having to get up at five in the morning to go milk, milk the pigs or feed slop to the hogs. Yeah. Like, that's not fun. You want to like a pretend farm life, you know. It's a lot of like fancy, like a, a barn dance and those mm-hmm. sort of things. That's more fun. But it is a great film, for sure. It is great. Okay, that's my fifth. Your fifth my is? fifth was A Bachelor Mother. I was waiting for you to choose that one. I didn't choose it myself. I you thought you I would. I knew it. you would have to choose it. Yeah. Yeah, Bachelor Mother. One of the one of the greatest films of that, that time period. and yeah. Another great Christmas film. Remember Night to me is a great Christmas film. Yeah, which, and Bachelor Mother doesn't really turn up on lists. 
It doesn't. I don't know if it's a super. I guess it's not like a popular. That's not a well-known film. It hasn't I guess. like lasted, unfortunately, because it's great and it's, it's it's not just. It's like a holiday movie. It's a holiday movie. It's not, not really a Christmas, Christmas film. Yeah. They, they it do. it starts after Christmas is over. Yeah. Because she gets fired on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, do you want to describe the film, or do you want me to describe the film? You can describe it. So this is a movie. Yeah, it stars Ginger Rogers, who's always great. Yeah. She is like one of the greatest light comedians who ever acted. And she's, she was great in all of the dance films she did with Fred, Fred Astaire. But it was also great after that, like in all the like comedies and stuff she did. They're so fantastic. I, I love her in, um, it's called Monkey Business, of all things. But it's not the Marx Brothers Monkey's Business. It's a Howard Hawks film with Cary Grant and, and Ginger Rogers, which has the, a great moment of her. You, can see the, you get to see the back of her, like the back of her skirt is gone. And so you get to see her underwear and her nylons. <laughs> it's like, oh, there was those dancing legs. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, that's another great movie that's, uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's monkey business anyway. Um, but yeah, so in this movie, she plays a shop girl who is, you know, working in a, at Merlin's Merlin's department store and it's Christmas Eve and she gets her, she gets her pink slip because there was just a seasonal position and now she's out in the streets and she has no, no prospect of more employment because this is, this is kind of like a, it's still kind of a, almost depression era in its mentality of, in the film. I don't, I don't think it was made during the Depression. Yeah. But I think it still has that element to it. So I think people who are watching it would, would be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's life for sure. Yeah. Like, you, now you got to find another job. That's really hard. And it does have like that dance thing, which I think was popular in, in mm-hmm. the Depression as well, as well, to have like giveaway prizes for yeah. dance, dance sequence. Well, and then just like that whole leaving a baby on a doorstep. Cause that also seems really kind of old fashioned yeah, in a way. you don't have the money to support them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So she's walking home from, from her n- non job. And she passes by this this um, orphanage or like a some sort of built the place that takes care of foundlings, a foundling uh, society. And sh- and someone uh, a lady, and does, she doesn't look like she's a mother. Yeah, because she's an older woman herself, or not. Making it sound like Ginger Rogers is old. Oh, Ginger Rogers is not old. She is of she is of mother age, but but um, this woman is older, so she's obviously like had charge of this child that is now leaving it at this foundling's mm-hmm. home. But Ginger Rogers sees this, and she's like, and then when the lady darts away, she's like, oh, no, no, wait, wait, you can't do that. And then the baby looks like it's going to ro- roll down the steps. And so she goes up to, to help to help it. And that, at that moment, the door is opened. And then this is, of course, the farcical element of the film, where it's always assumed that she is the actual mother of this baby. Despite all of her protests that she's not, no one will ever believe her. She is the mother of this baby. She refuses to take it, refuses to have the baby. And these people, you know, uh, learn who she is, where she lives, and where she worked, and stuff like that, without her realizing what they're doing. And then she's like, "Oh, no, I see what you're doing now, but no, I, I'm not the mother of this baby. I don't want anything to do with this baby. I cannot. I don't even have a job, you know." Like, yeah. And, uh, they're, and they're, they're like, "Oh, it's because you don't have a job." Oh no, poor you, and stuff like that. So then they know she worked for Mer- Merlin, so they go to Merlin. So they go to talk to to David Niven, who plays the irresponsible son of the owner of Merlin's. He's once again played by Charles Coburn from uh, Lady Eve, mm-hmm. and. He, uh, David Niven, of course, is suitably morally outraged as someone who was just uh, yucking up with his dad that he was pulled over by the police and almost had to spend time in jail. Uh, he's very morally outraged that yeah. uh, that this woman has uh, had a baby out of out of wedlock and and now is giving up this son and blah blah blah. So basically, she gets a job back with Merlin's, but on the understanding that she now is a mother of a baby. And he takes a great interest in it. And it, it kind of builds from there in all kinds of fun ways. Yeah. Uh, the character who plays Sam, the actor who plays Sam Wainwright 
in It's a Wonderful Life. You know, hee haw. He plays the guy who works in the store with her. Yes. And they have a. He's, he's, he's a. Great. He's a great creep in the. In yeah. The creepy. You know, not really a creep. He's a creep. He's just a flirt. He's a like, kind of flirty guy who just wants to get ahead. Yeah. Like he just wants. He's trying to make it like everyone else in this yeah. world. You know. Um, but of course, it's a rom- romantic comedy, and it it ends the way you would like it to. Yeah. I think it's also great that, you know, midway through after David Niven's been, you know, convincing her that, you know, she's the mother. Yeah, yeah. Of course you're the mother. Yeah, This yeah. is your baby, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Setting her up for this. Yeah. His dad now thinks he's yeah, the father. Yeah, that's right. And so despite his protests, his dad yeah. won't... Listen, even when his dad knows that he's telling the truth, he still doesn't want to believe it. He yeah. still wants to have an, have an heir, have a, a grandchild. So uh, another Merlin, you know, so yeah. It's it's a it's a very warm-hearted film, which is interesting to to note that Ginger Rogers did not want to do it. Really, she was really opposed, morally opposed to that film, because hmm. she, she, th- she thought it was wrong to portray a a, a single mother. Oh. Now she's a very conservative woman, interesting. which is strange for Hollywood people. Yeah, whenever you hear about actors or actresses that are very religious or very conservative, morally conservative, you're kind of like, really? Yeah, in, Ho- in Hollywood. Yeah. You're morally and to be like, conservative. she's also a dancer too. And you're a da- well, which... she wasn't really a dancer. She play the dancer oh really because she wasn't like she didn't come out of dancing hmm. like, like Fred Astaire she was a strong dancer though. she was but Fred Astaire uh, danced with his sister yeah for years and years in vaudeville they, they toured as as the Astaires uh, but she married royalty she married British royalty and she went back to England and so he had no partner but he started doing movies and so they, he just kind of ended up with Fred, Fred as, as with uh, Ginger Rogers as his as his partner, and so he had to teach her to dance, and so she had to learn like really like go through a lot of hard work to yeah. to learn the, her parts in those movies because she wasn't a natural dancer like he was, yeah. you know, where he had done it for years and years. Yeah, Interesting. just another example of what a great actress she is. Yeah, that she could convincingly play a great dancer as well as a great comedian and everything else that she's so good at. But that's a great choice, by the way. I'm glad you chose it. I was waiting and waiting like when is Bachelor Mother going to show yeah. up? Because it's got to be in there. Yeah. Um, it has been a Christmas tradition for us to watch watch those movies. Yes. Or watch that movie. So I love it very much. I'm going to mention one other film before we go away. This is another film that people don't really know. It's a Joel McRae film with, with Gene Arthur. And because I didn't get a Gene Arthur movie in, I'm going to say this movie because I love Gene Arthur so much. You know Gene Arthur, right? I'm sure if you saw her, you know her. Probably. Um, yeah, look her up. She uh, In this movie, um, Joel McRae plays a, a, a know-it-all journalist that that um everyone finds very you know he's very pushy and very very much a know-it-all and just kind of unpleasant in that way you know yeah you know her and and in the film he um i'll spoil i'll spoil i don't want to spoil the film at all it's called murder in manhattan it's a very hard film to find so i think i have it on my computer though so if you're interested in here in watching it dear listener drop me a line and i will i'll put it in dropbox for you uh, maybe I'll just put it in Dropbox at the end of the show. But I just feel like maybe I shouldn't do that because I would get in trouble. Yeah, you could. I don't, don't want to get in trouble. In the public domain? I don't know if it's in the public. It's like 1939 or something like that. Murder in Manhattan. Joel McRae and Gene Arthur. So I don't know if it's in the public domain. I don't want to get in big trouble. But what I'm saying is if you want to watch it, this is totally on the side. Drop me a line. Sneaky, there may be a way. Sneaky D at SneakyDragon.com. There might be a way I can get it to you to watch. And I highly recommend it. I don't want to give it away because it's got some great twists and turns in the film and it's a lot of fun. It's not the greatest film ever made, but it's a lot of fun. And if you love Gene Arthur and you love Joel McRae, I guarantee you will love this movie. So send, send me a line. It says 70. 70 years? According to copyright UBC. 
So Cine. But that depends how they how they copyright it. Yeah, I guess. Because so. how they trademark it, they could trademark it in a different way later on. Like they could do a DVD of it and re-trademark it. I think I'm not sure how it all works. Like how has Disney stretched it out so long? Yeah. But I think Disney's losing uh, Mickey Mouse finally. Like the Mickey Mouse of Steamboat Steamboat Willie. Really? Yeah. It's finally going into uh, out of copyright. Huh. Finally, they stretched it out many. It's another fifty. I think it was fifty years before, and then it became seventy years. Interesting. I think the government's like no. That's not stop. I think one of my only like important runner-ups that like I considered, yeah, knocking one of these off the list for was Juno. Juno, romantic comedy, yeah, yeah, yeah that's a really good movie. That's it's not what really I thought about. Movie. I love that film. I mean, I saw it with Ian. Yeah. And I loved it so much that I made you guys come and watch mm-hmm. it with me. I didn't make you, but, but I invited you guys to come and watch it with me. We showed up. <laughs> I put you in a car and took you to mm-hmm. a good movie. That's a great movie. It is a great movie. It's probably wasn't totally appropriate for your age, but that's fine. Mm. We watched I, a lot of stuff that wasn't appropriate. I didn't really worry about that as a, as a dad. Yeah. That's why you're so smart. Because you're, you know. Been uh, introduced to so many things. You've been introduced to so many things, and I think that helps brain development, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't like, no, you didn't just watch Spirit. Yeah. The, the badly animated horse <laughs> on Netflix. Yes. You watched other things. You watched crazy old out of trademark cartoons with grandpappy mm. and betty boop and is it bongo yeah the, i think so the dog yeah that great one where they have with the, with the uh the cult the, like the the mason mason kind of thing like mm-hmm. they initiate the cult and they're they like pat, slap each other in the bum as part of the dance for the, for the thing so good anyway all right folks oh my gosh did we go did we go pretty long we went pretty, we went long. pretty long we went pretty long i don't know if we should read letters it is a thing that we do we're already like we're already two weeks behind so I feel like maybe maybe I should read letters. I don't know. Do you think we should or no? I don't know. It's your show. You're going to read them if we're going to read them, though. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I can read. I know how to read. All right. So we're just going to read some letters. This is These are from episode 278 because we missed... You mean 500? Oh, sorry. Five, did I say 278? I yeah, I think we're a little past that point. <laughs> I, I did this a little while ago. I actually put two in front of them instead of hmm. five. I can't, I can't believe we're at 578. But anyway, so this is from 578 because we did our car trip last time so we didn't have time to read the or opportunity to read the letters so he's going to read them for us so go ahead dear do i say who it's from yes please okay do i say it's from you can say from mom it's from mom okay this one's from mom so (laughs) she says question one i think the first time i went on a plane was when i was maybe seven or eight my dad worked in the aviation industry and had a friend who had his own plane i remember it was likely a four-seater as my brother and i sat in the back seat so there had to have been two chairs, although it was possible we were both strapped into the same seat, and it was just a two-seater. More significant was that the plane was missing the door, so the fact we were wearing a seatbelt was fairly important. Neither of us Thanks. fell out. The wind was so strong, it pretty much ripped my shirt off. All my buttons were undone. Question number two. I got nothing. About the magic thing, I'm on Team Jason leaning or more honestly reclining toward not liking magic that much i think i've always found it kind of sexist and i'm not usually overly sensitive to that sort of thing but more so what i don't like is when people put themselves in positions of superiority as the holders of information outside of my day job teaching school which is pretty much about disseminating information and then assessing whether any of it had been absorbed slash attained I also work in a related field and am very involved in the examination process. I think following the old knowledge is power adage 
and have observed that some examiners, rather than simply testing what has been taught as part of the curriculum, love to set themselves up as the knowledgeable-slash-powerful figures by preparing questions that are very niche as a way of being justified for not having to give full marks to the candidates. I get that a magic show is just another form of entertainment, and I should let the moment just wash over me and marvel in the struggle involved, but for whatever reason, I really struggle to enjoy a magic show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Obviously, <laughs> I listen to the show frequently. Um, <laughs> He's the biggest fan of Sticky yeah. Dragon. Uh, Louise says, uh, Growing up, I knew our telephone was on the Trinity Exchange, but by the time I was telling people my phone number, no one was using the prefixes anymore, just the numbers. So I wonder if Echo Valley 2 6 8 Zero 09 was already anachronistic when it was sung on the Partridge family. Maybe the songwriters were looking back on their own youths. In the world of the show, Keith writes the band songs. In one episode, Keith thinks Danny plagiarized a tune he wrote uh, the night before. Danny claims Keith stole it from him. But in a merry mix-up, it turns out Danny heard it in his sleep because the walls between their bedrooms are so thin. Reuben was a busy record company rep before he became the band's manager. Danny hounded him mercilessly to get their demo record some airplay. My first time flying was a trip I took with my grandmother in 1977 to visit my aunt and uncle in Ontario. There was a smoking section and the flight attendants pulled a curtain across it once no smoking sign had been turned off after takeoff. I remember they gave us moist towelettes before they served a hot meal. None of this sad bag of pretzels they serve you these days. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I got fed a lot on my flight uh, to Europe, like from Chicago to, to Brussels. Mm, yeah. I, almost too much. I was kind of feeling yeah, like, but they Ugh. don't, they don't uh, this is just to Ontario though. Yeah. They don't do yeah. that anymore. No, it's I guess just, it's... you got to pay. <laughs> got to pay how much? <sighs> the big bucks. Oh, really? To get, to get the food? Yeah, I think it's like $7 or something. $5 for your little thing of Pringles. <laughs> Um, this is Edward Dragansky. Okay. Um, it says, Happy New Year, gentlemen, and to the always great Jason Dedrick. I look forward to Jason. I really do. You three have an awesome chemistry, and the Boxing Day shows never disappoint. <laughs> I remember the airline was American Airlines, but I'm having difficulty remembering the year. I was probably around seven or eight years old, if I had to guess, and like Jason mentioned, I got to visit the cockpit up at the front of the plane. I think it was to show first-time flyers that everything was in control and ease any doubt of these huge that these huge machines could fly. The reason I remember it being American Airlines was because they gave me a pin with little wings and an American Airlines logo on it. I think I still have it put away somewhere. We were most likely flying to and from Chicago, and all I can remember thinking was that these giant flying machines can fly with their powerful engines, but how in the world can a huge ocean liner float? <laughs> I'm proud to say that although I fought off COVID over Christmas and I'm just now recovering from a nasty stomach flu, I have kept my blood sugar levels between 121 and 140 over the holidays. My resolution was to keep my sugar levels as low as possible with diet, exercise, and weight. So my A1C for 2023 will be even lower than it was in 2022. I kept the resolution throughout 2022 but I know I can get it lower as we move into the new year. I even got my weight below 200 pounds over the holidays. I haven't weighed that low in years. I wonder what a low blood sugar amount, amount is. Like, I, I don't know what, like, a standard uh, 
like what I would have. Like me say say I'm not diabetic. What mine would be? I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know. Like I I know that like I only know blood sugar levels in like reference to like zero through like oh for kids you mean twenty just in general like okay. as like a way to like I didn't know that it was different. I guess I don't know if kids is it doesn't feel like kids should be different. But when I do like blood sugar test, like I'm supposed to keep um one of my kids' blood sugar between like they like to keep it lower okay like between four to twelve. Four to twelve is where they like it. Ed, you have a lot more sugar. <laughs> yeah, I guess because she says her her mom said like that. I guess the higher people like to keep it higher because okay. then you're not risking crashing. Okay, like below four, which is like low low blood sugar. Okay, um, but the higher you keep it, the harder it is on your body hmm. to like keep it that level. So, okay, because she's so young, they want her to oh, okay. you know yeah yeah try and just stay at like a standard. Mm. Like most of the time, she's at like seven eight. So she doesn't eat a lot of fruit and things like that, I guess. She does eat fruit. She just doses for it. Oh, okay. It, oh, so I see. Oh, she like has the little shot? Yeah, that... she's got like the deck. Oh, she's, she's got a Dexcom. So okay. Like, automatically. Has the little automatic feeder mm-hmm. on her arm. But. Well. Yeah. Just really... um, he says, as for an alternate resolution, stop fighting in toxic social media posts. I think I lasted all of two weeks into 2022 before I broke that one. Maybe I'll just pass on that this year. <laughs> Ian, nail on the head, brother. I have a close family friend named Diamond Jim, who is a magician. We've known him for almost 40 years, and he still tells me the same hammy jokes. I guess it's worse for me because I hear the same stuff over and over from him over the years, but to his new audience, I guess it's hilarious. (laughs) I also think that they're too enthralled over his magic to really hate his humor, and it may be part of his misdirection tactic. He's a very good magician, though, and I still don't know how he pulls off all those tricks. He's awesome and makes a great living at it. Quite a few years ago, Diamond Jim called me at work on a Friday afternoon and asked me if I had plans for the night. What's going on? I asked. Jim was planning a poker game at his home that night and asked if I wanted to join for an even four players. Are the other guys coming over magicians by chance? I asked. Yes, they are, Jim replied. Are you... Out of your fucking mind, Jim. Do you really think I'd play poker with three magicians? He laughed, and then I told him to call my dad instead. He'd enjoy the challenge. Thanks to you guys for another great wrap-up to 2022, and for all the great episodes throughout this year. It can only get better in 2023. Thanks, Ed. And also thanks for making my baby daughter swear. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And this is from Regis. Hi, happy good year or Michelin or Toyo for Dave's WRX sake. I'm kind of sad. Monday, I saw a photo of Ken Block popping up at the end of the Guardian News front page. Hey, cool or not cool at all. The news of his passing away took me a bit by surprise. I followed him loosely on YouTube since I discovered one of the Jim Cannas, I think the San Francisco one. I always checked Ken's or Hoonigan's video when they appear on the YouTube home and Pastrana's one too. And followed last year, the Subaru's launch control YouTube series, where Travis tried to behave as a team member and Ken challenging them as an independent. They were the two outsiders in Rally. I wanted to refer to those two in this very comment section for some times. Travis is a mad dog. He has got more broken bones than he has bones. <laughs> He's a, a child a bit on the hyperactive side. Ken was more of a composed person, always making his big eyes when speaking. A cool guy on the reserve side, but what a driver. His series 
where his 16-year-old daughter, Leah, beat the hell out of a lot of powerful YouTube cars and drag races with her dad's 1,000-horsepower unicorn was quite enjoyable, too. I don't know why, but his death touched me more deeply than it should have. Not a very good start for 2023, amongst other so-so news. I hope that you and the all the sneakers, the DC ones accepted, are starting it on a more joyful way. Bye. <laughs> that was Regis. Regis can be uh, tricky to read sometimes. And says he writes image poems. So, Image poems? Yeah. That's what his, his oh. comments are. Uh, is that the last of the comments? Yeah. All right. So you go to 579 then. 579. This one has five comments. All right. So I'm just going to read, I'm gonna read um, a comment from Regis, though. Okay. Because he sent something by email. He said, one mo thing. Hey, completely forgot the funny part of things. I wanted to ask Ian what he thought about Taylor Tomlinson. YouTube proposed her, or rather her videos, to me, and I enjoyed it, so I watched the two Netflix specials. Uh, this, it's interesting to see how she evolved and made some of her material change along with, uh, through time. And as you know, I'm fascinated by what I could identify as neurodiverse or neurodiversity, and sometimes disappoint myself when the subject is not on par with my expectations, like Clarkson, he means Jeremy Clarkson, recently being a bit too much himself, a jerk. And I think she is part of it. I listened to the podcast she made with Jay Shetty, got some doubt about him. I'm always suspicious about happiness coaching and spiritual guidance. He seems genuine, but a bit too... He said he spelled shiny. I think he meant shiny, to be honest, but I think he meant polished. Mm. Too polished, to be honest, maybe. Otherwise, the podcast is very interesting. My two cents. Bye! For real. Regis. All right, do you got something else there? Okay. So this is from the... Oh, let me just answer that, because this was answered during the last show. And Ian's answer to your Taylor Tomlinson question, Regis, was, I don't know who she is. <laughs> so there you go. It obviously doesn't come up in his YouTube. It comes up in mine. I don't know why it comes up in mine. Maybe because we uh, we look up more masculine stuff, and then it comes up in ours. I don't know. I don't want to accuse Ian of not looking up masculine things. Whoops. But I mean, I look up like car reviews and woodworking tutorials and how to drywall yeah. and stuff like that different and so i don't know if that's where she pops up in people's thing i don't really know hmm. interesting so uh louise says a toy i enjoyed as a kid was the magic rainbow drawing board it had mysterious black goo trapped to, uh trapped in two layers of thick plastic and you used a stylus to draw lines on it the goo would be displaced to reveal colors below it worked on the same principle as a scratch board only you could erase your drawing by sweeping the stylus over the board and redistributing the goo. I did a search and found a similar product called Marvin's Magic Drawing Board. It's still available now. I liked any product that let you produce ephemeral art, but it was more versatile and colorful than an Etch-a-Sketch. Those are fun too. They show you a bunch of short straight lines can be used to make a curve. I also liked those cheap slates that had a plastic layer over a blackboard. You just lift the layer to get rid of your drawing. I remember the board game billionaire had many versions of those i think you use them to make bids for stuff hmm. so then is it ed Dragansky? is that what you or edward you're gonna say ed ed uh says that last episode was fantastic what a slice of life outside of the studio i could almost envision it in my head i'm glad you guys went to the reunion i'd be up for one myself if i knew when it was <laughs> it wasn't really a reunion it was an open house so it wasn't like, a, to, like it wasn't a set explore. grade yeah yeah the school kind of got to school my one problem with the the show was that because I, I was driving 
I was times where I wasn't listening very closely, or it was just kind of there was sort of a yeah a, a conversation because I was focusing on driving because <laughs> we were driving over in rush hour traffic, so I was really busy in some yeah. parts. We got and then the because I kind of cut onto the freeway for part of it. It turns out there was a big accident, so it was like a super slow bumper to bumper crawl to get off of it again, get onto to boundary to go towards uh, North Delta. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, he said you both mentioned two toys. Already that I had Baron Karza Baron Karza Maskatron. Maskatron. So I'll follow up with some more. I was a Mego collector. Mar- I think it's I think it's Migos. Mego collector. Yeah. Um Marvel superheroes, Planet of the Apes, and the Wizard of Oz. I had plenty of them. I'd never heard of these either before. Hmm. Even the play sets like the Treehouse for the Apes and the Emerald City. I kept my Mego figures in terrific shape and I still have most of them. But I could just... Oh, but if I could just get back Iron Man, Thor, and Conan, I'd be much happier. Out of desperation, I sold those three to a collector at a con so I could buy a custom lightsaber. The lightsaber was $65, if I remember correctly. So I sold those three... Did you see what year it was? Migo... Migos to collect the cash for the lightsaber. The guy selling the sabers was walking around the con with them on his belt, and that had caught my eye. This was a few years before any sort of officially licensed props were being sold. Hmm. So I had to have one of these. I sold the figures, bought the saber, and by the time I got home, some regrets started to consume me. Those three Migos (laughs) were three of the most sought after, and I could have sold them for more, a lot more. I took a card from the lightsaber guy, who was actually the brother-in-law of the guy who made them. He was just selling them at the con for him. I contacted the guy who made the saber. His name was Jeff Parks, and he's one of the first collectors to actually make quality lightsaber props. He told me to bring the saber to his shop sometime later and upgraded it for me. Eventually, he gifted me an authentic 1947 Graflex flash gun, which was what Lucasfilms used for the props in the films back in 1977. It's customized to look like Luke's lightsaber, and I'm... Looking at it right now as it hangs in the display box next to my desk. Jeff and I became close friends, and I still keep in touch with him to this day. In fact, I'm working on something for him right now. He now makes a living making all sorts of props. Quite a step forward from 1996. Okay, yeah. That's uh, still three three figurines for a lifelong friendship. That seems like a fair trade. Mm -hmm. Um, Going back to my childhood, I think I just want a few toys back so that I could play with them once again all my hot wheels and tracks with those foam wheel accelerators oh those are great sizzler cars which were much like hot wheels but were gassed up by plugging a jack into them that looked like it came a huge gas pump they ran for a while by themselves until you had to charge them or gas them up again (laughs) and lastly the vertibird helicopter sure pretty bird uh, that was a little flying helicopter on a wire you could control on a tabletop and pick up cargo stuff. That oh, sounds fun. That was a cool toy. And one more thing. I didn't own one DC Comics Mego figure. I was a Marvel brat back then. For Christmas, my folks gave me a Batman Mobile Bat Lab that was actually a big van with a cage that came down to catch the villains. Using my imagination, I drew myself some Spider-Man icons, cut them out, and taped them over the Batman icons so that I could have a spider van. Instead, instant Marvel Mobile Spider Lab. I could put the Fantastic Four in the van, too, as they drove around looking to catch the Lizard and Green Goblin, who also had a cardboard bat I made for him to fly around on. Great times and fun imagination. I think I scored well in the play activity department. Oh, and the 
Dark Tower Game 2. I need to shut up. Thanks for a fun and lively episode. Glad you guys got out and had some fun with Eric. He was a great guest. Everyone have a good weekend and week. Thanks, um, thanks, Ed. And then he also says, if anyone out there is looking to sell Amigo Iron Man, Thor, and Conan, I might be interested. Um, and then Mom says, regarding toys, I really loved Silly Putty and I was young, but it didn't stay in the house for long as there there was that great difficulty, not for me, of getting it out of the carpets, off of furniture, upholstery, and the like. Apparently Silly Putty still exists, but I read that it is different now. Oh, but I read that what is different now is the newsprint. Most is soy-based because... Based... <laughs> Why can't I read mom's writing? Apparently Silly Putty still exists, but I read that what is different now is newsprint. Most is soy-based now, so Silly Putty is unable to pick up the images off of the newsprint, which I love to do, but then stretch and distort them. I could do that when I was little. You used to be able to do that. Maybe yeah. It's different now. I guess so, yeah. Um, I, too, enjoyed writing along on your trip down memory lane, I like that Ian was impressed with the range of graphic novels in the library. He might also be interested in the various offerings now available for students taking English class. Now as grade 10 and up, students have greater options. Your standard composition class essay writing is still there, as is lit studies. Back in junior high, I took creative writing, so that's not new either. But for the last few years, they also had a class called Spoken Language and other classes called New Media, which delves into many forms of oral, visual, print, and digital media, such as gaming, podcasts, blogging, film studies, graphic novel studies, as well as songs and poetry. Hmm. And then Ed responded to Mom and said, I had Silly Putty as a kid. Once I put it in my pants pocket, not in the plastic egg container, it came in and forgot about it my mom washed all our clothes along with some of my grandfather's clothes and when they were in the dryer the city silly putty melted and ruined everything no more silly putty for me <laughs> i put silly putty in my pocket of my jeans once they get washed uh they got washed but i did they didn't ruin everything mm. they just it just was i couldn't use my pocket because oh. <laughs> it's just like all in my pocket mm. it's probably because i cold washed mm. your pants and maybe yeah. maybe they got hung to dry or and then the, uh, I don't know, who knows? I don't, I don't superheat the uh, clothes when I dry them. Um, hey, we got another email. Okay. This is from Laurel Robertson. And Laurel wrote to say, Happy New Year, David and Ian, and greetings to all the sneakers in the world. These last two episodes were a lot of fun with the return of Jason Dedrick and then your friend Eric Fell. Well, all the episodes of Sneaky Dragon are amusing and delightful, of course, but it's always a kick to hear you two yucking it up with yet another yuckster. And I love the cartoon you did, David, of the three of you in the car. It's adorable. Thank you very much, Laurel. But that was actually by, drawn by Ian as part of his Daily Diary comics that he's been doing lately. So if you uh, follow Ian on Instagram or on Facebook, you will see, or maybe probably even on Twitter, you'll see his posts there with, of his Daily Diary drawings. And that's where that came from. And I stole it from the Facebook and I put it on, I put it on the website. And here's another really fun and happy thing. I got the surprise prize that I won sometime back as an honorable mention or whatever, drawn from the hat or pants during the latest question show, a sneaky dragon mug. My husband came in from the mail saying I had a package from Canada. I was so ex excited and explained to him again about sneaky dragon, completely beetles, full marks, etc. He's not much of a pod. He's not much of a podcast man, alas. Still, he agreed, agreed with me 
It's a very cool mug and didn't even say his usual spiel how if we get a new mug, an old one has to go. So that's a win as well. Thank you for sending it, David, and thanks to you both for keeping going with my favorite Sneaky Dragon show. A toy to bring back? The Christmas of 1966, my family and I were on a home leave in the States from Brazil, staying two months with my grandparents in Indianapolis. That Christmas, my sis Julie and I each got a Francie doll, who was the cousin of Barbie. Mine was strawberry blonde, hers brunette, and they were a little more normal looking than Barbie, if you know what I mean. We loved those dolls, and they made much more sense for little girls than the ridiculous cousins. Okay, thanks again, gentlemen, and ciao for now. And there's one more. Thank you so much, Laurel, by the way. And there's one more email. Uh, oh, I didn't mention that Laurel's uh, subject line was fun things. <laughs> This is from Patrick Kennedy, and Patrick's subject is phone number songs. And he just wrote a quick little note. He said, long-time listener, first-time writer. Oh, darn. Let me say that again. Long-time listener, first-time writer-inner. I've loved listening to your top five phone number songs. I would add to that list 777-9311 by the time an eight-minute funk jam plea to get someone's digits before the night ends. Keep up the good work from Patrick. Thank you very much, Patrick. And actually, that just so you know, that was a song that was on the short list for consideration for the phone numbers list. I got edged out. Got edged out in the end by, uh, I think by, um, got edged out by, oh, got edged out by Etta James. That's what it was. Um, so, but I do like that song a lot. Prince, I think it is Prince. It's Prince, Prince wrote it and I'm pretty sure he played all the instruments on it and then Morris Day sang it. And I enjoy it because it's kind of fun to listen to, like kind of a throwback to like the early sounds of, of Prince in that song. But anyway, thank you very much for writing. And just one more thing, one more thing, everybody. Um... Because this was a little message from Ed that came. And let me just find it here. I've got to search because, of course, it's, I can never find anything that's when I want to find them. All right. And just this was a late breaking. This actually occurred after Ian and I had recorded the original show that disappeared. Uh, but Ed wrote in as well. And Ed said, uh, he contacted us by uh, on our Facebook page. And he said, letting you guys know my sneaky dragon mug and sticker made it all the way to Texas. Thanks a million. My wife brought it in from the porch and said... Look what came for you just now. You're going to be happy. So that's nice. But what's not nice is that then our Facebook page automatically does this thing now where it goes, Hi, thanks for contacting us. We've received your message and appreciate you reaching out. Which is really kind of silly. Why would they just automatically do that to your page so that it just uh, makes feels, uh, responds with some sort of impersonal cold, cold shoulder? But anyway. Technology. Technology. It's all about the cold shoulder. Okay, folks. Thank you so much for listening in this week. Um, we had we did have questions of the week. Unfortunately, I can't remember what Ian's was. It was oh, what really just something we talked about on the show, but that's fine. We'll we'll still ask the question anyway, even though we'll probably kind of go into it a little bit in the next episode again. Um, which is what life? What what is some life advice you would give someone? What is some life advice you would give someone? Just one piece of advice that you think everyone should should walk through life with. And then my question, which was much deeper, was what's your what's your favorite fast food burger? Mm. <laughs> what's your favorite fast food burger? Oddly enough, lately, yeah, it's been the Junior Bacon Cheeseburger. Oh, really? Yes. I'm not a huge Wendy's person. I never was, but it's really good, and it's very cheap. Okay. <laughs> it's like two fifty. Like oh yeah, that's good. And it's like you get a little bacon, you get mm -hmm. lettuce. Sure. Nice. Mayo. Square burger. 
Oscar burger. It's fresh. <laughs> it's good. Um, they are good because they're fresh. That I'll give that. I'll give that right now to Wendy's that their burgers are super fresh. I just find them kind of bland. Like I find they just don't have like that great sauce to like push mm, push it over yeah. the edge for me. Yes. Uh, Not like White Spot or Big yeah. Mac, or whatever. That's um, what I'm all about. I'm all about sauces. One song that, or not one song, one thing that was asked at the party that would be a good question of the week Okay. was what is the one song you would play at a party if you were put on Ox? Like your song that's meant to like really blow people away. Uh, okay. still liven up the party. You can't be like, oh, this is my favorite song. It's the Smiths. <laughs> like, you can't do that. Like, what is the song you're playing to like put people mm. in the party mood? Okay. Interesting. Huh. I don't know what I don't know what it would be. I have to think this about that. This question was asked while "Come On Eileen" was playing. That's a good one, though. Yeah, that's a good song. I love that song. Oh, I just want to talk about one more rom com before we disappear okay. forever. I watched another. This is another uh, lesbian Christmas movie. This was a New York Christmas wedding. Do you know this movie? It's a crazy movie. Okay, so in this movie, there's a uh, woman named a girl named Jennifer. She's like a teenage girl, and she, I guess, but it's not really spelled out really close carefully, but inferring backwards it's implied that she is in love with her friend her her, her another girl best friend and she, she calls her up and she's like why aren't you here why are you, why are you laughing oh wait, is this thing you're seeing on your yeah. phone okay and she um she phones up her friend and she's like why aren't you here we're gonna we, we're gonna de- decorate the christmas tree which is important to her because apparently her mom died at christmas time and so okay. this is like a big, big big deal but her friend who maybe doesn't know herself yet is hanging out with this dude and they're kind of making out and so they get in a fight and this girl ends her friendship with 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 her friend. Jennifer ends her friendship with her friend. And we'll learn later in the movie that this friend got pregnant from this guy, lost the baby, and then later died and or killed herself. Okay. So we're not sure. In other case, she died. But when, it might have been an accident or it might have been she killed herself. So we fast forward into the future from there. Now Jennifer is a successful business, like a successful person who works for like some trading company in new york city and she's marrying some rich rich dude yeah and this guy's this guy's mom is super pushy and she wants to have like this big wedding on christmas eve and uh you as the person watching the movie go christmas eve wedding that seems weird like like why would people want to be getting oh, so what are they good at what church is available? <laughs> what church is available? Christmas schedule. Yeah, really. Who's gonna want to go to that? <laughs> you know, I'm busy. I'm away. Yeah, yeah. So, so she's planning all this, and of course, uh, Jennifer is feeling a little bit like a little railroaded by this, and also maybe a little not being honest with herself or her true feelings about who she is. But mm-hmm. that's not here nor there. So she goes out for a run to kind of escape this, get away from this, her, her fiance's mother-in-law and get away from, and her fact that her fiance is a real wimp who won't set up for her to, to his mom. And she goes for a run and she sees this person get hit by a car. And this guy is miraculously okay. He's un, untouched by, un, untouched by it. And, and so we're like, we're, you know, you're kind of thinking, oh, I guess this person's a little different and he's an angel. And he sends this Jennifer, he sends her back or he doesn't send her back. He sends her to an alternate timeline where she is now uh, in a different life. Her dad's still alive. She's not, I guess she's not tra- not working as a trader in a, it's from New York it's firm, but she's um, in a long-term relationship with her former best, with her f- best friend that of course she had a falling out with in the, mm-hmm. and now, and they're on the verge of getting married. So there's this whole weird subplot of like, they're, this girl is like Italian Catholic and she wants to get married in the Catholic church. And she's trying to convince the, the priest who's played by Chris Noth 
uh, you know, from Law and Order and, and uh, Sex in the City, that, that he, they should get uh, married and that he should marry them and stuff like that. And, you know, he's all like, well, the church does this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then he has a change of heart and then they get married on Christmas Eve of all time. <laughs> and then, uh, and then once this happens, then she gets blasted out of that timeline back into her actual life. And then she's back into normal life. And you're like, well, what is she learning here? And then, and then, uh, so this angel like a movie you dreamed up. This is the true movie. It's on Netflix. And then this angel shows up again and he gives her a choice. He says, you can go back to any time in your past or you can just live in this time, but you have to choose now. So she thinks, and then, and like it happens in a church and her boyfriend went to her, to this church to look into the death of her friend and stuff like that. So he's being like a nice guy, but, just, but she's saying, then she goes, and then suddenly she's back to being a teenager. The night that she had the fight with her friend the conversation goes totally differently and her friend shows up at her place and they trim the tree and then we knew that they'd like now that they love each other and their life's going to go on together together and that's the end of the movie and you're like what is going on here like it's got a couple things that i really hate in movies one is when a person is pushed through some sort of plot mechanic into an existing relationship that they've been living in for a long time yeah because it's meaningless to them. Mm-hmm. So it's meaningless to us in the audience. We have yeah. no we have no idea of who these two people are. Now they're adults. We're not seeing the young kids. Weird. Weird is right, right? Like suddenly she's in this relationship with this woman and she's confused because what's going on? Like why am I and like she goes back to try and see her her fiance, but he's married with kids and he doesn't know who she is. And then and then so then she's like has to go back. Like she's not chosen any of these things to happen yeah. to herself. And then uh yeah, and so there's this whole crazy plot where, like, you know, they get married and, and Christmas Eve and stuff like that. And, and oh, but it's just so, it's so dumb because if you can't be emotionally involved in what's happening, because they're not emotionally involved. Like, she has no, she has no lived experiences with this woman. She's just suddenly married to her. It's like the dumb ending of a Hot Tub Time Machine. Like, suddenly the guy's just married to this woman that he's liked, but he has no memories of, of a marriage with her. Now, now they just have to like fake their lives with this person. Do you remember the time that we saw that dog at the park and it was, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that was hilarious. No, I don't remember at all. I don't remember this at all. I, you know, remember the time that we got stuck in the car going to, uh, going to the ferry and we had to wait there for two hours for the guy to come and then he came and, uh, oh yeah, that was great. Uh, nothing. No, they don't, you know, you have no memories. They have no shared memories of this person. Yeah. Like what is the value of this? And then... The idea of having emotional reconciliation in your life through time travel, it feels so silly to me because no one can have that. That is an impossible thing. The choices you've made in your life, the things that have happened to your life, the good things, the bad things, whatever they are, are all written in your past. They cannot be unwritten. You have to deal with them. The bad things that happen to you that you, you, you struggle with, you have to find a way to deal with those things. You cannot go back in the past and change them and erase what happened. It's impossible. It's just there forever and never to be changed. You can never go backwards. And so to have a movie that reconciles characters to their past by time travel doesn't help the viewer because it's an impossible situation that can never, never happen. So that's not how you as a person will ever have to deal with your life. And I guess as a fantasy thing, it's okay, but it just feels like a cheat. It feels like a cheap thing. Like if, if they wanted to be serious in this movie with this, she has, should be her age. She should leave the, this fiance. If this is how she feels, she should leave her fiance and this woman should not be dead, but should be available for her to try to, to rec- reconnect with. And it might be awkward. It might be, might not work or whatever, but that's how it should go. It shouldn't be her going back in time to, to relive her life again. 
and the fact that she does it successfully and it doesn't just go exactly the way it went originally, does that mean that she has foreknowledge of what the rest of her life's going to be like? It's silly. I don't like it. No. I'm against it. It's I'm against that movie, everyone. Nice. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because twice I tried to write a long letterbox review of it to express all my indignation, and two times it got erased. What? One time, because I stopped writing it. Yeah. Um, I stopped writing it, and then I accidentally uh, went to some other page on, on letterbox and I erased it. Oh. I was like, ah! And then another time I wrote a long thing out on my in my uh, in my memo app thingy, and then I meant and then I copied it. And I meant to paste it, and I accidentally, instead of pa- pressing copy, I pressed paste, and I erased it. <laughs> Andrew, you can shake to undo, okay? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know that. Uh, I look on your phone. In that one, there's like a, usually a little backwards thing that you can press that'll yeah. undo, but it didn't. It wasn't available in, in the in the in the memo. in the like the memo, like just like the quick scrap huh. thing. It's, if you do like a full on note, it'll it'll have that in there. But oh, unfortunate. Yeah, it was really sucked. So. Uh, I've said all I want to say about it now. You'll see my two star my two star rating on Letterbox, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say much more about this film. Anyway, everyone, thanks for listening to Sneaky Dragon this week. If you want to answer our questions, there are three of them this week. That's pretty good. If you want to answer one of those questions, go to our website at sneakydragon.com. Uh, we have an email address at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. I love to read your email, so please feel free to write to that. We have Facebook where Ed wrote to us to so let us know that his mug came. We're so happy to hear that. We have and we're also on Twitter. At sneaky underscore dragon. Don't forget, please support us on Patreon. Keep this train rolling. And also, uh, if you have any advice on how to not lose shows that you record for podcasts, I'd be happy to hear it. Everybody, have a great week. And we'll see you next time on Sneaky Dragon. And sorry this show was late. Bye. Sure. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>